Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm trying to elevate small talk to medium talk. Hi, I'm Alexander Chester, and Av, I'm podcasting with you. I'm associated with you from now on. People are saying our names in the same sentences. Try not to do things that make you very much seem like an asshole to anyone that's looking at you. I'm Av Sadensky, and I am FAT positive. Uh, I love that line. I'm Roger Nygaard, and I'm fasty ass. And a fasty ass is a Leon Black catchphrase from season 11 that did not get into the final cut. So only me. Leon, Larry, and you know it, so let's keep it between us. Mm. <laughs> uh, Roger, you sound very attractive, but Zoom is very deceiving. Welcome I'm very back. muscular and handsome. Yeah, thanks for pointing that out. <laughs> Welcome back to Pretty, Pretty, Pretty Good, a Curb Your Enthusiasm podcast. We are here today to discuss Season 11, Episode 6, Man Fights Tiny Woman, which originally aired on November 28, 2021, just a couple of days ago. Uh, we are very excited for our, our guest today, uh, Roger Nygaard, who uh, you just heard, a director, an editor, a producer. Uh, you know, I've, throughout uh, the nine seasons that we've done of this podcast so far, of course, we'll come back to seasons nine and ten after the current season. There's been so many times that we wanted to ask questions for the editor of the episode. And here we have someone who's edited, I think, what, 22 episodes of Curb? Yeah, he's, episode, he's edited 22 episodes of Curb, including, of course, uh, this week's episode, Man Fights Tiny Woman. Um, Roger, of course, is also a filmmaker in his own right. He's directed the movies uh, Suckers and Trekkies and The Truth About Marriage and has directed all sorts of TV shows like The Office, Bernie Mac, of course, Curb, the Emmy-nominated Who is America by Sasha Baron Cohen. Um, and he even recently just wrote a book about editing comedy called Cut to the Monkey, which I had the privilege of reading earlier earlier this week. Um, and Roger, why don't we just start right there? So you just wrote this book. Um, what was, you know, what was, what motivated, what motivated you to write a book about editing comedy? Um, and how has it been received? Well, I kept meeting other people, other editors, and I was thinking they're doing it wrong. Someone's got to figure, point out the right way to edit comedy because you no, know, it's, it's, it's very difficult. Obviously it's much harder than drama. And Part of the uh, background was I was sitting in my editing bay one day in Veep, and I realized I had these people like Julia Louis-Dreyfus and Dave Mandel, Jeff Schaefer, Sasha Baron Cohen, Judd Apatow, Larry David, uh, trapped in a room. So I should interrogate them and download, suck whatever wisdom I could get out of them, out of their brains, coalesce it into a manual for editors for here's how to edit comedy. And Sasha kind of actually, he thanked me. And I put that in the epigraph for the book where he said, he so often wanted to have something to hand editors to explain. Here's how it's done. So he didn't have to keep explaining to new editors over and over that you don't do this or that wrong thing when editing comedy. So anyway, it's my opinion, of course, on the right way to edit comedy, uh, salted with quips from all of these people. Now you've also, yeah. you know, you just mentioned who is America. You've also edited Veep and, and Curb, like, those shows are, are much 
more, I, I mean, I would guess, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, much more challenging. And also the editing is much more critical than sort of a traditional sitcom where you have a script and, and you sort of know what, what's going to be said and what's going to be in the episode. And, you know, maybe you decide which scene to cut or things like that. But here, you know, they're just riffing and it's total improv. And so the editing process seems to me like so much more critical and so much more challenging, maybe more fun also, but, but much more important to the, to the final episode that viewers see than in like a traditionally scripted sitcom. Yeah, well, challenging is more fun. The more challenging it is, the more interested I am in doing it. And it's true. These shows are much harder, in my opinion, than Circle Takes shows, where you've got a script, it's, everything's laid out. I mean, I edited Grey's Anatomy, which was fully scripted, and there was no variation from the script. And it's a very different process from editing. What v- And so you need to choose your editor with as great... As with as much care as you would choose a writer for a project because they are rewriting what you have written in the editing room. It's the last rewrite of the script. And if you're an editor who does not understand the concept of story structure or joke structure or scene structure, which storytelling, you're going to be a different editor than one who just pushes the buttons and lines up the circle takes. So that's what I was trying to teach people in the book. Here's what editors should know about writing and editing comedy. Yeah, you have this great line in the book from Larry where he says the editing is where we really create the show. And that really just makes a lot of sense with a show like Curb where there's, you know, so much improvised stuff. Like there's so many ways that in theory the scenes can go. And it's kind of on you in a way, I guess, you know, working together with Larry and Jeff and whoever else is involved to, you know, take the raw materials and actually make a cohesive episode after that. That's, you know, a real art to that. Well, you're watching, when you watch an episode of Your Enthusiasm that I have edited, you're watching what I thought was funny. I get to choose, I put together what I want to watch, and then Larry and Jeff come in and we will swap out some jokes and punchlines here and there and move some things around. But I aim for 80% that they don't have to change. So the most they have to change is 20%. Because if, if you follow, if I, or if, I, if I fall below 80 or 70 or 60%, they're going to get frustrated. I'm not doing my job. Larry wants to get out on the golf course. My, I'm a hero when I get him out of the editing room sooner. They don't want to sit in there and try to gnash their teeth and figure it out. They want an editor who can bring solutions, ideas, and, and fix the problems because a lot of them come up, especially with improv well, they might have forgotten to do a setup properly in the moment they're focusing on comedy or the punchline or just getting the scene blocked. And, oh, we didn't hit the setup right. And the setup is just as important as the punchline, if not more so. So they rely on me. And I guess that's why I get, have gotten asked back on other seasons, because I, I get Larry out on the golf course. Yeah, I, one of my key. questions what... was, you know, obviously, you know, they like you. You're brought back for what, half the episodes of this season. How do they decide who edits which? Is it is it just that it's sort of too much for one person to be editing the full season or, you know, sort of how, how do they divvy up? OK, well, Roger's going to do this episode and someone else is going to do this other episode. Yes, it's too much to do for one editor to edit a show like that for the full season. So there are two editors and we alternate. And just to split up the work and it's generally starts with who's available first. That person will get the first episode. I know there's some strategy going on in Jeff Schaefer's mind. He's a, he's a comedic strategy, strategician, 
a strategist, strategician. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> magician and strategist combined, where he tries to think, okay, Roger might be better at this one and Steve will be better at that one. But for the most part, it's kind of luck of the draw. Hmm. And then the other big question is, you know, in more recent seasons, as we've gotten away from traditional uh, television timing, the episodes are of totally varying length, right? It's not like, you know, on network, Seinfeld had to be 22 minutes and blank seconds exactly. You can be 31 minutes, 37 minutes, 44 minutes. So, like, how do you decide, uh, like, what, like, how long an episode is going to be this season when there's no strict rule? Yeah, it's gotten long. They've gotten longer and longer over time as the rules have been relaxed because of streaming. It doesn't really matter on streaming how long an episode is. And they used to be, the networks used to be, the cable networks used to be very strict, 2830 maximum. And then we pushed that on curb to 29, 58 and a half. And then it was, okay, just get all of the material of the show within 30 minutes. And then the credits can go between 30 and 32 because even if it cuts off, at least they don't miss any of the show. And then at some point, the barrier was it's like the sound barrier was broken. And we started turning in shows that were 36 and 33 and 38. And they always complain. The network complains and they say, no, no, you can't do it. You can't do it. And well, we're going to do it. But you can't. Well, we're going to. OK. And <laughs> they eventually they just kind of give up. Maybe not on every show. It kind of depends on the clout. You know, with Larry. It's especially different because he's a legacy show and showrunner. And he's part of what HBO is when you think of HBO. Curb Enthusiasm is one of the shows. So there, what happens is Larry will make a season and who, no one knows whether there will be another one, if it's the final one or there will be more. Time goes by and then Larry maybe gets bored or he decides, oh, I've got some ideas. Jeff talks him into collaborating just to see what they come up with. And once he's got six episodes uh, plotted out, then Larry calls HBO and goes, I'll do another season. And they go, okay, thank you. And then (laughs) we're off. You know, uh, one thing that we've spoken with some of our, most of the guests we've had have been like uh, guest stars on the show who come on uh, for a few episodes. And, you know, they talk about how you might see on the screen a 30 second scene, but there was, uh, I think Chris Williams told us that he actually that somebody gave him like the the recording of like a tw- of 20 minutes or whatever of him and Larry going back and forth of the whole thing of which, you know, uh, one small part ended up on the episode. And I'm wondering, like, um, you know, you so before we start recording, you share the continuity with us. And so for for the final scene, all it says is the chiropractor inserts Jesus into their chit chat. How much more than that is on the page that Josh Gad saw before he filmed that scene? Not much. Very little. I mean, uh, the entire story is written in advance, but none of the dialogue or very little. Sometimes there's a line or two thrown in there into the script as ideas or just to prime the pump. But just the story beats are there and then they start figuring it out. And as an editor, I work backwards. I start with the last take and start to cut the scene from that see what I can make of it and then add the prior scene and keep going backwards because they generally find most of it, most of the gold in the final take. And they, oh, we got it. Let's move on. Yeah. It would be stupid. I think it's more time consuming to start with the first take because then I have to replace 85% of that take to finish the scene. Whereas if I start with the last take, I maybe only have to replace 50% of it because most of it was there. And so how many, how there's many a minutes? lot of stuff going on. I mean, sometimes I've seen scenes where Larry 
struggles and struggles. And he's like, why can't I find the thing, the scene, the, the, the point, the joke? And eventually he gets it. He gets there. Larry's the one who drives, obviously drives the scenes. And he needs someone who will push back against him to get him there. And the ones he struggles with are the really, they're multi-layered and, and nuanced. There was a scene in the watermelon episode where how many comedians could do jokes about black people eating watermelons? <laughs> not, maybe only Larry David working with J.B. Smoove. And they shot that scene when Larry discovers uh, uh, Leon and Leon hides the watermelon. <laughs> and then they came back and reshot part of it after they thought about it some more. Mainly Larry thinking about, you know, what should his attitude be in that scene? What should his demeanor be? What should, how should he be? Should he be twinkling in his eye? Or, you know, he's really thinking about the nuances of the interaction and, that one was one of the rare reshoots where he really spent time with Leon, with, with JB, figuring out how to best approach that comedically and um, from a, a, a reasonable perspective for how, how should two people discuss this? You know, you know, in today's environment, you really have to be careful. Yeah, it, it yeah. is the highest and thinnest of tightropes that he's walking there. And without sacrificing the comedy at all, he manages to pull it off. And you're right. I don't know how many others would even risk it and would be able to get away with it and would succeed the way that uh, that, that Larry and JB do in that scene. Um, so like, so, you know, so you said you worked sort of backwards from the last, um, from, from the final uh, cut. So like going back to that scene I mentioned before, so like how long, how many minutes were there when you sat down in your editing bay of that, of the last scene of this episode, for example, of, of, of Larry on the table with Josh uh, working on him and talking to him about Jesus that we end up seeing just, you know, less than a minute on the screen. I'm going to guess if I probably six to seven takes with three cameras and rarely is there more than like 10 or 12 takes. And sometimes there's five that's typical. Mm. And so it's each take is the length of the scene times plus five, three or four minutes of trying this and that. So, you know, it's probably 45 minutes of footage, maybe uh, two hours on some scenes when they're really, wow. in, uh, there's a lot going on and sometimes much less. And the first cuts of an episode, I, I think I had the record for Curb Your Enthusiasm. I had a 71 and a half minute first cut wow. of episode eight. Where can, where can we see that one? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, as we go through today's episode, I can talk about some of the scenes that were trimmed out of this episode and why they were trimmed out and how that winnowing process happens. But there's less trimmed out today than there used to be, you know, in 10 years ago because of streaming and the, the re relaxation of the network's oversight on length. But also it's these guys are overwriting. Jeff, especially, they love to write stories and inter intertwining stories. And I, every season I say, well, did you learn your lesson this time? No, we didn't learn it. And they keep, they overwrite. And they, that's why they need an editor who is able to take what they've given and remove things that they're really in love with. And it's, it's painful. Right. Well, you know, also Larry is a master. And so he's of course using everything at his disposal as a comedic performer and writer. Yeah. One thing, one last thing I wanted to note, um, this is of particular interest to us. Alex has um, charted the uses of the Larry stare down throughout the series. Um, when it's been used, how it's been used, who it's been used against. And I saw you noted that you at first wanted to um, shorten down the length of the stare down, but Larry uh, won you over and convinced you that the, uh, the length is what makes yeah, it. Yeah. I thought it was, 
a stupid idea. I didn't think it was very funny I th- because I thought it was too broad. <laughs> I thought the, the, the more you generally I look at uh, tone wise, I look at, at uh, scenes and episodes, the more realistic you can keep things, the more grounded, the funnier the jokes become when you, you feel like you're in a real situation. And if you go too broad, you break that reality. And I think the jokes become less funny. That's my, what I've learned in my opinion. But sometimes broad works. And Larry said, no, no, we lengthen it. We got it, you know, so we lengthened the stare down to what he felt was right. And we tested it. It worked. You know, he was right. And you, you go by the, the reaction in a room. You feel it in the room. And right. so that was, you know, I was wrong. And Larry uh, won the day. But, we, you know, we have discussions and debates, me, Larry, Jeff, about what jokes to keep, what, what to cut, what not to cut and I'll, I'll fight for jokes sometimes. And my, my winning strategy is whenever I say that's the third funniest joke of the episode, when he wants to cut something, Oh really? Okay. Let's keep it then. <laughs> and so they don't like to cut, you know, top jokes. If somebody really thinks it's funny, if you stand up and fight for it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, uh, we certainly agree. That's one of our favorite running gags on the series. So um, we, um, we certainly appreciate that, how it ended up. And uh, I could certainly confirm it's funny. It works as is. Yeah, I stand corrected. All right. So we're going to now go through season 11, episode six, Man Fights Tiny Woman, uh, directed by Jeff Schaefer, written by Larry David and Jeff Schaefer, and of course, edited by Roger Nygaard, who is here with us. We start out at an airport with Larry and Jeff getting off a plane. They've uh, recently returned from New York and they're talking about the show and all the great actors that they got to meet in New York, um, particularly Jason and who is uh, we're later going to learn is uh, going to be, you know, one of the new members of the cast. And Larry is really excited that the young Larry cast is coming together nicely uh, with the lone exception, of course, of Maria Sophia, who is a, you know, walking train wreck. Now, I thought we had said that um, with a no-name like Maria Sophia, they were going to have to put some some big stars opposite her uh, in the cast. But it looks like, of course, we have Seth Rogen for a guest star spot, but it looks like most of the main cast is is anonymous folks here on Little Larry. Young Larry, excuse me. Yeah, Larry, Josh Gad, Seth too. There was some uh, Seth Rogen and Josh Gad. We had some great cameos. No, no, I, sorry. And, I, mean within, actually... I mean within the world of the Young Larry show that they're filming. Ah, gotcha. Yeah, sorry. Like when they were having the meetings with with Netflix a couple episodes ago, they said, "Oh, we really got to get a big name opposite Maria Sophia." But uh, but Larry and Jeff have convinced the uh, the network execs that uh, yeah, they're they're going they're they're giving us introducing a whole new cast of uh, comedic stars for uh, for our new Young Larry show. I can give you a little bit of trivia about that opening scene right off the bat. When they got there to film that day, the escalator is the Burbank Airport. The escalator was broken that day, <laughs> and so they had to shoot around a broken escalator, and and so I had to cut around it. And if you look, you'll notice that you never see them on the escalator. And we kind of fake it with a little bit of a steady cam walking down the stairs and just sort of cut around the idea of even thinking about the escalator because we had to. Mm, that's funny. 
All right, cool. Yeah, so they come down the fake escalator and they're uh, greeted by each of their personal drivers. Jeff's is a regular sized man. And Larry's, of course, is the titular tiny woman, a lady named Miriam Klubach, uh, played by Iris Anthony. Um, and, you know, normally you say you see a gun in the first act, you know, the gun is going to pay off in the third act. Uh, here, I would say, you know, you, you name the episode Man Fights Tiny Woman, you introduce a tiny woman in the first scene. I have a good idea who the man is that's going to fight her. <laughs> Um, so we, we know where this her is name. Now. Miriam Klubach was is, is, um, is named after a friend of Jeff's. That's an actual person's name. Yeah. And, as I uh, discovered actress, when I Googled her <laughs> to try and find out how tall she is. <laughs> <laughs> the actress could, could kept getting Klubach wrong. She said, kept saying Klubach. And so uh, we uh, Jeff ended up looping her to get the name pronounced exactly right, just in honor of his friend. <laughs> as, oh, I don't fun. think that in the episode that we see her name gets mentioned at all. And so but when I saw that, it the does. Character, oh, it does. When she when she first introduces herself the first time, she says her name. Oh, OK. Oh, because I, I when as soon as I saw the name on IMDb, I said, well, this is obviously a real person that they're giving a shout out to because they really, you know, they don't just call her a tiny driver. My question is, uh, you know, traditionally in, in the pre streaming era, I think a very small percentage of people knew the name of an episode before they saw that episode. Right. You know, you turn on your TV at eight o'clock because Seinfeld's on that day. You don't necessarily know what the episode is called. Um Nowadays, I think probably the percentage is much higher, right? Because people are, are logging into their HBO Max and they see on the screen, it says the words man fights tiny woman. I guess I'm wondering because, you know, Av, you talked about how it's, uh, uh, you know, we, we, it's, it's Chekhov. We set it up with the title of the episode and we see right away this tiny woman and we know what's going to happen. And I'm just wondering, like, Roger, does that comedically and when you come to editing, does that sort of make it a different situation? Because you know that the viewers know what's coming. And so you're sort of teasing them in a way that, you know, maybe in a different era, they wouldn't necessarily know what's going to happen in the episode. We'll start, we'll scan through episodes and look for signifiers that are most, the most memorable things or icons in the episode. So when people are looking through the listing for an episode to watch, they'll know exactly what it was about. And there's, we, there's no discussion about, will this set up the comedy better? Maybe Jeff's thinking that, but um, we're really just looking for what's the most uh, significant phrase also what's the most memorable and the funniest name so that when you do look through the listings you go oh that sounds funny you know and so it might prompt you to watch it or when people are voting for emmy awards they're voting on right. titles because most people haven't even seen the episodes yeah <laughs> so you look for something funny and uh, when we get to it, there's a scene. I'll explain the origin of the title that of this see of this episode. When we get to it, I'll tell you. I'll explain where it came from. Um, yeah, yeah. We, we, uh, we actually we went to our. Funny. <laughs> yeah, we went to, I guess, uh, Fat Man Falls Through the Roof uh, didn't make the cut. Uh, <laughs> we did go to our uh, our height correspondent, Jared Jerome, who uh, reported that based on his analysis, um, Miriam Klubuck is four feet, 11 inches. So uh, just, a, just a shade under five feet. Hmm. Uh, Jeff was worried she wasn't short enough, too, and whether uh, we should digitally make her appear even shorter in that opening shot (laughs) when they first see her standing next to the burly guy. Yeah, I guess they got another tall guy to balance it out. Yeah, I I, I do think that, like, one one note is that I do think that she isn't, like, quite short enough to to really, like, drive home the points of what we're going for here. But, you know, she's still noticeably shorter than uh, the other guys. So I think it works okay. Um, and she offers to take Larry's bag. And he, like, you know, seeing her height and her stature is like, oh, I'll hold on to it. Like, I don't want to trouble you. Um, you know, I don't need to have a, a woman of this size waiting on me. 
Um, meantime, he gets a. She gave, by the way, Seth uh, Rogen. She, she yeah. gave me big vibes of uh, Mindy Sterling's character, Frau Forbissina and Austin Powers, perhaps because of the outfit. Yes. Yes. Very much so. I agree with that. Yeah. Av, <laughs> uh, what, what are you. If you're Larry, what do you do in this situation in the airport? I mean, we'll learn over the course of the episode. You're damned if you do. You're damned if you don't. But, uh, you know, if, if you're Larry and you come off the escalator and you see this woman, uh, are you letting her carry your bags? Are you not? What's your take? Yeah, absolutely. I pay oh, for someone to car- carry my bags. Okay. That's not my problem. <laughs> I mean, at least let her pull the rolling bag or something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like she could take a bag. Like, you're right. You don't have to do all of it by herself. Like, she's, a, she's an adult human. She's capable of carrying a bag. Yeah, I, I have this chivalrous thing where, like, I'm very insistent in the airport that uh, my wife carry nothing and I carry, like, all six bags. And she'll sort of roll her eyes and get mad at me. She's like, it'd be much more official. I'm like, no, nope, I'm carrying it all. So <laughs> I, I see what Larry's got dealing with here. Yeah, I'm, I'm, like, very happy that now my kids are, like, old enough that they could, like, help out a little bit with that stuff. It used to be, like, they were just, like, dead weight. Like, they're just extra stuff with yeah. and can't do anything. Now, like, you know, they could at least take the rolling bags and that sort of stuff or carry a backpack. Yeah, they're, they're still a net negative. They still bring more stuff than they uh, help. <laughs> Absolutely still yeah. a net negative, but not, you know, quite as big of a in the yeah. red as they used to be. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So as we were saying before, Larry gets a text from Seth Rogen, who has agreed to do a guest star role on the show, and he'll be playing the part of Bud Friedman. And Larry, of course, is very excited about that. Um, and the bags come around on the carousel. And again, Larry feels very bad having Miriam uh, lift his heavy bag. So he runs to intercept it. Um, I would I'll say that these bags do not seem big enough that they needed to be checked. You know, these days, nobody in the right mind is checking a bag unless you absolutely uh, unless have to. Like a, yeah. Unless you absolutely have to. So, I mean, I guess if you have unlimited money, you just pay for the, the extra bag. But like the extra weight is just not worth it. Yeah. To me, what I love about, you know, I talked about before how we know the name of the episode coming in. We know that we're going to see a fight between presumably Larry and this driver at some point. And I love how they just tease us throughout the episode. There's so many moments like, oh, it's coming. And they just keep right. teasing us and teasing us. <laughs> there's a, a bit that we cut out of that scene because there's, there's many tangents. Obviously, this is a show about tangents. And so we lop off a lot of tangents. And one tangent was they uh, debated about whose bag would come out first or whose would come out last. And Larry is, oh, mine is always last. So they bet on it. And of course, Larry loses. His comes out last because everything's going right for Jeff. He gets the burly guy to carry his bags and his bag comes out earlier. But in when you're cutting for time, it, it just wasn't quite funny enough to sustain itself. And especially early in the episode. So that that's a tangent that we removed. And, and, you know, we talked about this a little bit at the top, but I'm just curious, you know, you mentioned uh, you once had an initial cut that was 71 minutes. Uh, What is like the maximum, like, you know, if you guys dropped a 60 minute episode on HBO, they're just, they're going to say, thank you, sir. I have another, right? Like there, there's no cap from, from the network, right? (laughs) Well, you know, their protestations get louder and louder, the longer they get. And there's also guilt payments start to increase when you hit certain numbers. Ah, and so there's a financial penalty mm. for going too long and you suddenly got to pay for an hour instead of for a half hour for the director's fee and, and uh, things like that are uh, so, and also there's a, there is a cost to longer episodes because it's more data that has to be stored and streamed and it's time. And it's also it costs time to shoot these things for props and wardrobe and locations and every day of shooting costs more. So we shot, you know, probably three or four weeks more than we needed to, if we had just figured out before we shot exactly what we needed, but that's not how their comedy process works. They can't, they, they don't figure it out. They can't figure it all out. A lot of it comes through the process of shooting. 
Yeah, sure. Um, okay, so we get home and Larry gets down on the couch and he feels like now, you know, he tweaked his back, his back is in pain. And he's now he's gonna have to go see the chiropractor because of all this tells Leon the whole story. Um, and he decides that he's going to call the car company and complain about what happens. Um, and it's uh, for that that we're going to go to our first clip of this episode and check out Larry's uh, call to customer service. Thank you for calling A&K Limousine Service. How may I help you? Oh, hi, it's Larry David. Uh, a small issue. Oh, my goodness. I'm so sorry. What happened? It's not a big deal. You sent a woman driver to pick me up, and I was uncomfortable <laughs> with her carrying my bags. I kind of hurt my back a little bit, to tell you the truth. And so I'm just calling to ask, if possible, the next time I need a car that you will send Are you guys able to hear this? This young lady yep. refused to help you? Okay, no, not at all. She was uh, extremely cooperative. Mr. David, let me just reassure you that our female drivers can do anything our male drivers can do. Yes, I'm quite sure they can, but I just don't want a woman carrying my bags. I don't think it's a good look. Okay, so this is about looks. You want a more attractive woman driver. Is that what you're <laughs> no, saying? No, I don't care if she's attractive. I just don't want a, a woman driver. That's all. Mr. David, we're in a pretty evolved society. I'm afraid that may come off a little sexist. Sexist? Oh, God, please. No, obviously you don't know me at all. I'm not even the least bit sexist. Although I, I do like to have sex with women. I don't know if that makes me a sexist. Is that, does wanting to have sex with women make you a sexist? I don't know, it's an interesting question. Are you saying you want to have, you want to have sex with our drivers? No, I don't want to have sex with your drivers. Are you saying you want to have sex with me? What? Who said anything about you? Oh, I don't want to have sex with you. Why, why would I want to have sex with you? Don't be ridiculous about it, never. Never? What, excuse me? Of course, maybe I would if, if we met and and, and, uh, and you were attractive. I, I, I would consider it, if, you know, but... If I was attractive? No, no, I don't care if you're attractive. I can, I can be attracted to people who aren't attractive. I've had sex with many women who aren't attractive because I was attracted to them. <laughs> you tap that ass. Wow, okay, so now I'm unattractive? No, I didn't say you're not attractive. I don't even know you. How do I know if you're attractive or not? That's not what this is about. I don't want to have sex with you, but again, I, I could. I mean, you sound attractive, but you know, the telephone's very deceiving. You never know. I was once on the phone with a woman from Ticketmaster for half an hour, and, and I met her, and it was, it was ridiculous. It was crazy. Mr. David, this is really out of line and very uncomfortable for me at this point. I'm extremely uncomfortable. You know what? Let's forget I even called. I don't care. Send a woman. It's fine. Thank you, Mr. David. You have a lovely day. <laughs> you going to tap that? Are you nuts? Tap, tap what? Oh, you hitting that. Well, there's a lot I can tell you about that scene. Yes, please. A&K <laughs> <laughs> Limousine Service is one of several names they came up with, but that's the one that cleared. Um, I think this operator, by the way, is a good candidate for jerk of the episode. So put yeah. that you know, <laughs> in the roster. Yeah. Um, She's making some teams. strong inferences that Larry is not on. <laughs> Yeah, well, this is this is Larry's favorite scene, or one of his favorite scenes, I think, in the episode, just judging from how tickled he was while we were editing it. And it's one of those classic moments where he just digs himself deeper and yes. deeper and deeper, yes. and he just <laughs> he just gets worse and worse. And uh, uh, that's what Larry's favorite sort of scene is like. And some of the lines are things I rescued from the first scene with with the actress that he didn't do the second time when he did his side of the scene. And those will appear only on the voiceover section because there's no picture, obviously, to go with it since he never did it. 
so then I cut all the pieces together. As usual, Larry's story about flirting with a Ticketmaster operator is based on a real thing <laughs> that he that he, he did that happened to him, and he's just telling that story in real time while they were filming that. Uh, so th- that's how the phone calls generally come together. They're shot separately. Yeah, I, I do love how in this episode, I think there's two occasions where Larry can solve all his problems. If he just doesn't call that limo service again, call a different one, use Uber, use Lyft, whatever. <laughs> and then later on, like, you know, Jonas goes up to give him a quote and Larry's concerned about his performance on the roof. You know, he doesn't have to call a champion roofers back. He could choose someone else. But in both cases, he goes back to the well. And so he really only has himself to blame for all the uh, chaos that ensues. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah, It's kind of a small world. You know, the, the world of Kirby enthusiasm yes. is a very tiny <laughs> bubble where everybody bumps yes. into each other yes. all the time and knows each other. And there's only one roofer and one mm-hmm. limo service. Absolutely, yes. One, one restaurant, one hotel. Yeah. Av and I frequently <laughs> joke about it. L.A. Is a, is a very small town in the world of Kirby. Yeah, it's, very, it's, it's very quaint. Yeah. I'm glad to know Larry loves this scene. This to me is just. It's an all-timer. It's a, it's a Hall of Fame scene, and it's, it's one of many in the episode, so spoiler alert for my feelings on this episode as a whole. Um, yeah, it just, it's just, it's, as, you, as you said, Roger, it's such classic, Larry, you know, digging yourself deeper and deeper, totally unnecessarily, you know. It's, ah, is, is it sexist to want to have sex with women? That's, that's my favorite line of the whole thing. He's like, I'm not sexist. I'm not less it's sexist to have small to have sex with women. Is that sexist? I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe it could be. Part of what makes it even funnier is just the fact that Larry's being watched by Leon yes. the whole time. Yes. Who has almost nothing to say except tap that ass. Yeah. <laughs> and eating his just snacks. the fact that he's watching is funny. <laughs> Yes, the, the the scene where it just like cuts and you just like see that Leon is listening in and just like just doing like his Leon posture. Just like Leon JB Smooth just like standing in a room is hilarious. Yeah. And and I and I also love, you know, because within the world of the show, he can only hear half the conversation. So he he hears a guy make a phone call to ask for a different driver, and within 60 seconds talking about whether he wants to have sex with the woman he's on the phone with, which to Leon is a totally normal conversation to have, I guess. But <laughs> yeah. Leon, Leon's mind just always goes to tap it ass. So he's he yeah. track there. <laughs> uh, okay. So the doorbell rings and it's the roofer Jonas from champion roofers. And he's here to check out the lake. And, uh, but he, you know, he, as he explains to Larry, he's going to have to head up onto the roof. And uh, Larry's very concerned uh, by the size of this man going up to the roof. He's like, really you, you're going to be the one. He's like, yeah, I'm a roofer. That's what I do. Uh, he calls over Leon. Leon takes a look at him. Leon also seems a bit concerned. Um, I, I felt like Larry was almost bringing Leon in in like a Kramer situation where he wanted Leon to be the one to say, like, your fat ass can't go up on that roof. But yeah. Like, um, that's not how it worked out. Yeah. Well, but remember in Seinfeld, when they try and bring Kramer sometimes uh, to do that, it backfires. Right. Kramer yeah, loves the hairstyle. Yeah, that, that's what of, I thought they were going for. Yeah. <laughs> now, Av, I had um, in, um, so in, yes. my, in my house here, we had to call a roofer. And the gentleman who showed up was uh, not to be ageist, but he was uh, getting up there in years. He was like in his 70s, I think. He actually told us he had grown up next door to our house in like the 1950s or something like that. And I got very nervous about him going up on our roof. Uh, So I I feel for Larry here a little bit, right? You don't want to be responsible for for an injury occurring because uh, someone's not in prime roofing age. But you know what? The the uh, the the older gentleman did a fine job. So. Yeah, but my, yeah, this, uh, is, my... this is another, uh, you know, very difficult scene to do well comedically because you it, how do you do jokes about fat people and old people or different races or different religions, you know, but nothing. Larry fears no area. He will go into any arena for comedy and to find a way to do it that works without compromising. 
it's it's bizarre. I'm 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 always amazed that you guys are really going there. Jews for Jesus. All right, let's go. You know, whatever. (laughs) But also the guy who plays Jonas, uh, Brad uh, Grover, he does a great job here. And, you know, he's just he's so chipper and he's so positive. He's like, this is what I do. I'm going up on that roof. It'll be 20 minutes. I'll get you a quote. And he's just like, he won't take no for an answer. And so he, uh, you know, he's impervious to uh, even if even if Leon's coming to stop it, it ain't going to happen. Well, the actor, too, you know, I could see in the dailies, it was thrilled to be there, of course, you know, to be on the show and was excited. And that happiness, that exuberance is really him also spilling through into the character. Sure. And also, you know, he's an actor who by by the end of the episode, you know, the the, the final moment that we see him is probably going to be replayed in clips of the show for a long time. And so, you know, it's pretty cool not just to come on curb, but not, you know, this is not a throwaway role. You know, people people will be watching you uh, crash through that roof for uh, for, you know, decades to come, I think. Yeah, so we uh, we head over to the chiropractor's office. Larry's sitting in the waiting room, and he asks the receptionists, why is the waiting room so empty? Why am I the only one here? And she explains, well, you know, the doctor likes to space out the appointment so that everyone gets sample time with him, which is a serious red flag. No doctor likes to do that. Yeah. Doctors like the least amount of time with their patients. They want to cram everyone in as much as possible. Um, so Larry starts uh, reading a magazine, and he just. Dis- Decides to start reading aloud from it, uh, you know, much to the annoyance of the uh, receptionist. And he wants to know what's the last thing that she bought that changed her life. She responds to this by sending him in to see the doctor. Yeah. Um, and we get this like look from Larry that's like a half bemused, like, oh, did I annoy her? Or like, oh, I guess that works. Like, I, go, I get to go see the doctor now because I annoyed the rest. Of the, that worked. Uh, I thought he was now. trying to flirt with her. Um, yeah, I feel like he's happy that he gets to advance to the doctor's office now. Yeah. Yeah, either he gets a date or he annoys her enough that he gets to go to the doctor faster. So it's a win-win, really. There's also he can't sit in in, in a room and do nothing yes. and look at a wall. So he's got to do something, whether it's engage with a person or read a magazine or both. And in this case, it does advance his agenda to get out of that room faster because she's playing a game and she he's interrupting her game. And uh, a trivial note, trivia side of trivia: um, the receptionist is played by an actress who is Lawrence O'Donnell's daughter. And funny enough, she also plays a receptionist in the White House Plumbers, which uh, show I'm working on editing right now, which is about, of course, the Watergate break in. And that story would have taken place 50 years earlier than this. So apparently she's some kind of an immortal who goes through eternity working as receptionists. (laughs) If you combine the two side ends of this spectrum. I also want to note um, there was a scene we removed before this where after the, uh, the the roofer arrives and he goes up on the roof and the guys, you know, kind of get freaked out by all of the creaking. There was a scene where they went out in the backyard and sat in lawn chairs and watched the roofer as he was walking around on the roof and he's finding old items. He finds a tennis ball and throws it to Leon who catches it. And we trimmed that out, part, I mean, for time. And also it just didn't quite rise to the level of humor. Uh, it wasn't funny enough really to justify keeping it in for length and it also didn't add anything to the story there was no new information from watching the roofer walk around on the roof yeah, you guys must have a high standard because larry and leon together is uh, something i would always watch in any circumstance <laughs> but, yeah um, i'm not saying it wasn't funny at all yeah. but it uh yeah. it it just didn't add anything new and it, no new information and no new jokes that we couldn't do or weren't doing elsewhere yeah i do wonder in the world of uh people who are worth uh, half a billion dollars in real life I'm imagining they don't do a lot of waiting in waiting rooms. I feel like they uh, they they get sent directly concierge directly to see the doctor. But uh, but Larry loves the waiting room. 
they go to high end doctors that, you know, respect their privacy and only bring in patients one, one at a time so that nobody else uh, knows yeah. that they're coming there. <laughs> I think right. you'd be surprised. I think Larry lives kind of, I don't want to say like a pauper, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he lives like a regular person. You know, he drives, uh, it's not an extravagant car. He, he goes normal places, he, you know, <laughs> and gets photographed plugging his ears and uh, just, uh, doesn't really live like you would imagine Bill Gates lives. Yeah. Larry's not your typical uh, half billionaire, probably. <laughs> he, he's a he's not an everyman. He is a singular man. He is a singular yes. man. <laughs> All right, let, let's meet uh, Dr. Jacobson, played uh, by Josh Gad. Yeah. So we go to see the doctor and he tells him that, you know, this obviously happened because you were lifting that heavy bag and like you really need to stop doing that. And we learned that this chiropractor is going through a divorce because his wife cheated on him three times. Mm. Um, I don't know what, though, after time number two, I guess he uh, he thought she was going to come back to him. But uh, no, time number three happened. And I think there's reason to believe there was a lot more than three times that he's not even aware of. Yeah. And I got to um, say, like, you know, the the underwear will become the big issue, but uh, you know, the, the non-shaving, like he, he does look quite slovenly here. So, uh, you know, Dr. <laughs> Jacobson, you got to clean yourself up if you want to uh, bring your wife or, or any other woman back, I think. Yeah. So um, now, Larry, you know, he's still curious about the empty waiting room and he starts uh, probing the doctor about it. And he explains that, you know, I have, you know, some certain high profile patients, present company included. Mm. Um, and I like to ensure their privacy. Like, for example, if the guy who played Han Solo on Star Wars was my patient, <laughs> nobody would want to know who that is. Yeah. Uh, so Larry, uh, of course, uh, concludes um, Harrison Ford is indeed a patient. He's like, no, no, I'm only speaking hypothetically about if Harrison Ford was a patient. And if you were a patient, he would be lovely, but a bit of a curmudgeon. Yeah. And this is straight. You know, this is a repeat of Larry's conversation with Dr. Thorngood about how George Lucas liked to frequent prostitutes. That's a Mr. <laughs> Softy. I think, Roger, you edited that episode as well, right? I did. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we get that. right. Re- oh, and the other reference we get here actually is I think this is the second time that Larry has stopped seeing a medical professional because of their underwear. Right. Because uh, the shrink in the thong was showing thong, a little bit right. too much as well. So, yeah, I love uh, I love curb referencing curb. And we always wonder here in these circumstances is do you think I mean, you know, I'm sure some of the people in the room, Roger, like you might have thought about it as you're editing it. But like, does Larry even remember the Dr. Thorngood George Lucas thing as he's doing this thing with Dr. Jacobson and Harrison Ford here? There's a lot of discussion that goes on about did we do this joke before or something similar to this joke? And we'll pull out DVDs from old episodes. And if they remember something, see if it was too similar. Larry really wants everything to be genuine and fresh when you see a new episode of curb season 11 whatever season that you're not seeing regurgitation of something he did in a prior season or any on seinfeld but sometimes some things are forgotten or different enough i think you talked about this with jeff schaefer too they'll they'll discuss it and debate it and whether it makes the cut and this was different enough from the thong that it it warranted its own story yeah i guess the part we 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 tend to think that we meaning, you know, Av and I and like, you know, the hardcore nerds who are making podcasts like this or listening to podcasts like this probably have a, a, a deeper memory bank of like the silly minutia of, of episodes from years ago than like Larry or Jerry do because they're like, you know, they're moving on. They're just going and creating more content, being funny over and over again. And we're like obsessing over these details. Like we need to call you guys next time. There's a question. Did we do this joke before? Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly yeah. what I was going to suggest was yeah, don't waste your time with DVDs. Here. Yeah. Who needs DVDs? Right. Oh, by the way, Harrison Ford could be a second nominee for the jerk of the episode. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Off screen jerk. Yeah. Got to stop getting those plane crashes, Harrison. 
Um, so yeah, so the doctor says, you know, this is nothing that a little uh, foam roller won't uh, solve. And he goes to grab one, but as he reaches for it, Larry and unfortunately us as well get a glimpse of the doctor's disgusting, frayed, tidy whities uh, <laughs> creeping up the, on his backside. And uh, Larry recoils in horror. Yeah, no, I, I just want to I want to defend myself here uh, for a second. You know, I've I famously uh, described on this podcast how I'm still wearing underwear that I got from another guy 13 years ago. But to be clear, anytime my underwear get a rip in the slightest or any loosening of elastic, I throw them out. So I might have old underwear, but they're still in their top their top condition. So don't loop me in with Dr. Jacobson here. That's why, you know, these these the, the, the better the joke is, the more relatable it is. Yes. So I'm glad to hear you relate. Yes, definitely. <laughs> I want to I want to know what props did uh, working on those underwear for Josh Gad, because those really were something. <laughs> those are just Josh Gad's regular underwear. <laughs> that wasn't even in the script. That, yeah. <laughs> this was one of those improvised things that then they ran with. Yeah. Josh Gad is like, why am I not getting more roles in Hollywood? <laughs> Larry's it was such a good sport too, Josh Gad, because you know he bends over and you can kind of see the crack of his ass. Yeah, and that qualifies as nudity, mm. and you can't show nudity. So t- technically, we would ha- we had to uh, digitally remove his ass crack without his permission, and they had to get him to sign off. Uh, so basically, sign a waiver allowing that. Even though we're on HBO. Yeah, yeah, because it's nudity is treated differently from non-nudity, and if you oh. don't have it in your contract to begin with, that if you're going to do a nude scene. You can't film someone nude. Oh, because it was in Josh's country. Oh, I got it. Because I'm, I'm reading the uh, the new HBO oral history uh, by James Andrew Miller right now. And he talks about, especially in the early years, like the HBO execs would like tell the the showrunners and their and their show producers like, no, put in more gratuitous nudity. Like they were trying to make a point like this is HBO. It's different than the network and cable. And, and they were asking it's not TV. For it. Yeah, it's too bad. I would have liked to see a little more, uh, uh, you know, Josh, <laughs> Josh get ass cleavage there. So <laughs> too bad. Yeah, we're going to yeah. we're going to. We're more nudity start. is a plus. Uh, sorry, more, more nudity is a plus, and they do. I mean, when there is going to be nudity, of course, they alert the actor or yeah, actress just, in advance yeah. so that so they know it's coming. And then what they do for men, more they give them the option. All right, do you want to show your penis or do you want a prosthetic penis? Yeah. And they get they let them choose because some men are not comfortable without mm-hmm. a prosthetic penis on camera. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're so, going to petition uh, HBO to release the full Josh Gad ass cut. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see if we can get that trending. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you oh, want to be a Josh Gad yeah. ass guy? Zygazin, go ahead. This is on yeah. this podcast. Well, actually, I am for Josh Gad's ass. What am I talking about? There was a lot more talk yeah. about underwears, too. You know, in, in, there, there's a bit in the scene coming up when they're walking outside the studio stages and they're, Larry's ta- telling Jeff about this uh, scenario. And Jeff is appalled and said he would never go back. Mm. There's a beat we cut out where Larry says that having one bad underwear is a good thing because it functions like the canary in the coal mine. When it comes up, it's telling you it's time to do the laundry. It it serves a purpose. (laughs) Right. Mm. Yeah, I, I definitely have that with some of my shirts. It's like if I get to a shirt that like I probably still shouldn't be wearing, um, it's like, okay, yeah, time for laundry. I need to like get back to the top of the pile. But we cut that out. And so that scene is a much shorter, the walk and talk. And it's it's bizarre because there was a whole walk they do when they turn a corner and we cut that out. It seems like they walk directly into the stage. 
Oh, okay. Um, so yeah, so we uh, we have them talking about the underwear, Larry and Jeff, as they approach the studio lot. Um, Larry describes it as having been to war. Um, <laughs> and Jeff is like, you should have just like ran out of there right away. You can't ever go back to him. I'm not ever going back to him. And Larry comes up right away with this theory that maybe the underwear is why the waiting room was so empty. You know, everyone's yeah. having the same experience as him. They go see a doctor. He seems fine until he bends over and you see his underwear and then you never go back. Yeah. Um, Which is another classic curb, you know, jumping to a conclusion based on very scant evidence, which, of course, turns out to be completely correct. Yeah, I, I don't think the evidence here is that scant. I mean, the underwear is scant. Um, you yes. know, I think <laughs> patients go to see the doctor. They realize that the only thing between him and them is a frayed thin layer of Hanes and they're yeah. out of there. <laughs> Gabber, I don't, I've um, never known what Gabardine is, by the way. <laughs> we improved one of the jokes there in, in the walk and talk where Larry says uh, it looks like loose strings and he, he looped it to be loose violin strings just to make it more specific. The more specific a oh, joke yeah, is, the funnier it is. So yes. if you watch carefully, yes. violin is inserted. Oh. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, yeah, that is good imagery. Um, so Larry and Jeff walk on to the young Larry apartment set and Larry is just completely astounded at how accurately the set has recreated his old childhood apartment. Um, and they go to that's the his room genuine with... reaction too. That's Larry's genuine reaction to seeing it for the first time because the production oh, wow. designer found the plans for the the building that Larry grew up in, and they recreated it exactly. Oh, that wow. that that's amazing. Yeah, I was wondering, you know, on a first walkthrough to be that accurate, you'd think like you walk through and you're like, hey, this is good, but this has to be switched and this has to be switched. But um, yeah, on the first walkthrough, it's perfect. And so I guess we see Larry's genuine reaction. And I do love on Curb when we get to see, you know, the most famous example I think is when Super Dave tells the uh, the joke to Jerry Seinfeld and we see Jerry's live reaction. I, I love I love when, and, you know, thanks for that tidbit. I love when we find out, like, these are the live reactions of, of the uh, your son, your, your cunt is in the sink, that yes. one? Yes, exactly, <laughs> yes. yes. That was, yeah, it was a great moment. No, but yeah. there was only one take that was, he did it that way. Mm. And yeah. <laughs> no, no one knew that was ha- going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, right. Like the card was like uh, Marty tells a joke. Yes. <laughs> That's the one that he decided to go with. I think it was um, even less. Just Marty, co- you know, forces his way into the set and, and annoys Larry. Uh, Jerry. Right. <laughs> Do you want to hear a joke? Yes. Um, so they go to the other room where the costume designer is fitting uh, Jason, played by Zach Rhino, um, who is going to be playing a character named Cliff. And he tells him, you know, I'm really excited about the show, except the one only issue is I have a conflict on Thursday. I'm not going to be able to work because I have this church thing. And Larry's like, church? Like, what are you talking about? Your name is Steinberg. Like, why, why are you going to church? And he's like, oh, you know, I'm a Jew for Jesus. Um, and that's, you know, the first uh, inkling we get that uh, this is an area that now Curb is going to get into. And, yes. <laughs> uh, certainly, certainly my, uh, my head perked up when I heard uh, the words Jew for Jesus going on. Yeah. And I have to Nothing say, good. like, it's, it's courageous. You know, this some of the, the, the larger societal things that Curb addresses are sort of like for everybody. But Jews for Jesus and Christians proselytizing Jews like speaks like to Av and I and to, you know, the Jews in the world. But I don't know if most Americans are even aware of this as a concept. So I do love, uh, you know, that this is where we're going here. (laughs) And this guy, Jews for Jesus guy, is another good candidate. I think we have good three candidates for a jerk of the episode. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I'll tell you another I can tell you another bit that was cut out when uh, Larry's doing the walkthrough of his his uh, his house, his boyhood home. Jeff prompts him into doing this bit that that Larry's kind of was known for doing where he would pretend to answer the phone and it would be an impression of his mother getting a phone call from somebody saying Larry had done something bad in school (laughs) or in the out in the neighborhood. And she would naturally be defensive and my son would never do that and get into an argument with them and hang up. And uh, 
it was a very funny moment between those two. Jeff is laughing and laughing and Larry's, no, I don't want to do that. And he picks up the phone up and does it. But it, it took a long time and we ended up cutting that whole bit out. Mm. Yeah, back in yeah. episode three with Elon Gold, we had uh, J to J. Now we, I guess, uh, we've doubled that to J four J. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> we'll uh, we'll continue to follow the math. Um, so we uh, head to lunch. We got Larry, Jeff, and Freddie at the restaurant, and they're talking about Jason. How surprised they were to learn that he's a Jew for Jesus, given the Jewish pundit on him. And mm. Jeff even confirms that his parents also are big bowls of Jews. Yes. Um, and the Jeff, Jeff, like Jeff for one can't understand why anyone would become a Jew for Jesus. Larry says, well, you know, it, it kind of cuts both ways because when you become a Jew for Jesus, you're embraced by the Gentiles immediately, but then you become reviled by the Jews as a traitor. And, yeah. you know, the Gentiles are excited to have gotten one. Why they want one, he doesn't really understand, but they've yeah. gotten one. And, and this, of course, we had in the baptism in season two. But uh, listen, Larry and Freddie are absolutely right, like about the traitorous Jews for Jesus. Listen, Christians, Jesus is great for you guys. But leave us alone. There's two billion of you. We have, you know, what, 12, 13 million in the whole world. So and we're not even trying to dig into your numbers, by the way. So I don't know why you need to dig into ours. Um, <laughs> all that having have been some said, lobster. It's good. Yeah, I will say I got a, I got a little bit of vibes of like the Robert Downey Jr. What do you mean? You people from Tropic Thunder listening to six, five shake. It's Vince Vaughn. This is Freddie Funkhouse <laughs> talking about himself as a Jewish insider. Because uh, Vince Vaughn does not scream Jew to me the way that uh, Jason does, for example. <laughs> Yeah, these Jews are not for Jesus. That's yes. funny when he, he, yeah. he tells him that. Yeah. No proselytizing here. <laughs> there was a whole discussion in this scene, too, in the, about, the, 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 about the anchovies that goes beyond what's in the episode. There was a lot more anchovy discussion and argument about it. And there was a whole anchovies runner in the episode at one time. Later on, when Larry goes back to see the chiropractor, the chiropractor's lunch comes in and he's also got anchovies on his salad. And Larry says, oh, no, you can't have anchovies on your salad because that's <laughs> going to put off your customers. And that was one more reason that the customers were not coming in to see this guy. But we ended up cutting it for time once again because we didn't need two reasons. One reason was enough. The underwear was enough. And it wasn't – it went beyond the joke. It was beyond the punchline. We already had a strong – punchline in that scene with the underwear we didn't need a, a, a subsidiary punchline <laughs> yeah so yeah larry's like furious with both of them that like you know you bullied me into uh, you know changing my order you know holding the anchovies and like he tells jeff specifically you know you know you order food all the time that i find disgusting and i always keep my mouth shut and jeff's like what are you talking about what foods ice cream omelets french toast and larry's like yeah i guess all of those things are delicious what am I yeah this about? is classic this is like you know the the oj prosecutors letting the defense handle the glove <laughs> Don't let Jeff throw out universally beloved food. State the specific disgusting things that he eats. <laughs> Yeah, um, so Larry, uh, he, the part I don't get about the anchovies is, you know, this like Larry's meal gets ruined because he can't enjoy a Caesar salad without anchovies. I feel like Jeff has seen him eat a Caesar's hundreds of times. So but um, and also to defend, <laughs> it, it's not it's not like Larry asked for extra anchovies. The waiter said to him it was it seemed more like an opt out than an opt in situation. It seems like the default at this right. restaurant is it's coming with anchovies. So, yes. Yeah. Stop the this waiter. Point. Also, the, the waiter was in uh, episode two as when Larry and Jeff are talking about they're at lunch talking about um, Jeff's abortion. And we but he got cut out of episode two. All you see is his hand. And so they brought him back to be the waiter in this episode. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> and he gets a second shot at it. And there's a whole bit that he had that they removed from this episode where he would come up and he was delivering, here are all the specials, but Jeff and Freddie weren't listening and Larry got peeved that, hey, you're not listening while he's doing his specials bit. This is his time. 
time. You're interrupting his time. And that bit goes away, and it really just got shrunk down to the anchovies. Very cool. Um, Yes, Larry um, asks uh, Freddie to remind him at 2 o'clock, and he realizes that his phone is dying, so he goes over to the hostess to ask if he can charge his phone at her station, and she's like, actually, uh, that guy over there is already using the charger, Um, and it turns out that Jeff is at 23% and Larry's at two. So he asks Jeff, Hey, like you're fine. Can I use it? And Jeff's like, Nope, first come first serve. I get the, I get the charger. Um, and so Larry goes back to the host and is like, Hey, um, so, you know, unplug his phone and put it in mine. She's like, but he just said no. Um, and she's like, yeah, you know, do it anyway. Um, and you know, she says what I think, uh, many of many guests have said on this, uh, here very podcast. Um, I feel like the two of you have a weird dynamic that I'd rather not get involved. <laughs> All right. Um, so, uh, so I mean, I'm, I want to get a little pedantic here for a second. Um, oh, c- certainly. Yes. Yeah, so, so Larry looks at his phone and he suddenly notices he says, oh, geez, I need a charge. But he had to have known that previously because he'll later tell Freddie that he did set an alarm on the phone, but it died, which is why he asked Freddie for the two o'clock reminder. But he asked Freddie for the reminder before he looked at his phone or mentioned the charge. Okay. Yeah, a lot of these things are shot out of sequence yeah. and they're just improving and it yeah. doesn't always match up perfectly. Sometimes yeah. it's in a European plug with a, an American uh, socket. You know? That's what I'm here for. Yeah. And then, um, yeah. So Larry looks at his phone. It's a 2% and needs a charge. He goes and talks to the hostess. A few minutes later, he's eating and he discovers it's 210. So like the maximum amount of time that transpired between like then and now is, is what, let's say 20, 30 minutes. Like let's say it's 130, at the, at the at the earliest when he speaks to the hostess. Why not just move your car then, right? <laughs> like, you know, you, you know you're going to lunch with Freddie and Jeff. Why not just find the spot you're going to keep that to in the first place? You don't have to interrupt your meal to go move your car. But anyway. Well, it makes yeah. Freddie another good candidate for jerk of the episode. Yeah. Yes. Well, yeah, I, I blame Larry. More. Freddie's a little too uh, accepting of, of the reminder, reminder, remind the uh, conversation. But that remindership, I, yes. taking on remindership is a sacred task. Yeah, th- that that yeah. is to me the second Hall of Fame scene in the episode. I know we're jumping the gun here a little off. Like this will be, be yeah. this will be quoted for years. Like I'm gonna annoy the hell out of my wife with reminder, remind me, reminder ship uh, conversations for years, and she's she's gonna rue the day that she saw this episode. I think. Yeah. So why don't we? Why don't? Yeah. Let's uh, let's take a quick look at that. Oh, let's watch. Okay, sure. Hey, what time is it? Two ten. Two ten. You're supposed to remind me when it was two o'clock. You're right. I forgot. Oh I'm my sorry. god! My car. I was in the middle of eating. My I'm sorry. Car. I'm sorry. My fault, Larry. What's it? What's his charge now? Twenty-eight percent. He's not having a good day. Sure. Says something to me. Are you kidding me? Shit. Toad. Ah, uh, Toad. I'm sorry. That yeah. sucks. You could have reminded me. You said you would remind me. Yeah, just saying. So it's my fault? Yeah, you, you didn't remind me. You would have said my car's going to get towed at 2 o'clock. I would have remembered. But when you said remind me of something at 2, it feels so light. It's so toothless. Look, you're the reminder. I'm the remindee. Once the reminder takes on remindership, you own it. So let me get this clear. Anyone who asks to be reminded of something has to assume the person will die if they're not reminded. Is that right? Death is the, death is the yeah, consequence. Yeah, death That's a, a very different idea yeah. of remindership. The remindee has to place his trust in the reminder. Right. It's the sacred pact. If you can't handle it, then don't take it on. By the way, if it's so important, why don't you set your alarm or something? I did set the alarm, but my battery died because Jeff wouldn't let me charge. But the truth is, if you had your phone, we're not in this. Okay? Absolutely. Okay. It's all his fault. Let's, go, yeah, let's yeah. enjoy the rest of the lunch. I can't. I love how they can't. 
So, you know, I, I, I think that there's definitely something here, but I think uh, Larry goes a bit too far. This idea that like when you've, uh, you know, outsourced the reminder to someone else, now that like completely absolves the original person for having any responsibility is of course batshit crazy. Like, you know, you're still primarily responsible yeah. for like your own schedule. A, remi- a reminder is a backup. That's why it's called remind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But he's got to blame somebody for and he walks out of the, the well, let's blame Jeff, right? Yeah. They just shift the blame. Yeah, that's great. I do love that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's that night and Larry's tossing and turning in his bed. He can't sleep because of the creaking noises he's hearing from the roof. And, you know, he gets up in the morning and tells Leon all about how he couldn't sleep well because he couldn't stop thinking about Jonas the roof up there. And of course, you know, then your mind starts wandering into all sorts of crazy places. You know, like if you saw a picture of a bearded lady in the circus without the beard and she was really attractive. Uh, Leon, however, is only concerned about one thing, the fact that his last haagen is missing and he has a suspect in mind, that fat ass Jonas the Roofer. Yeah. And when food's Larry's missing, like, you know, suspicion invariably falls on the heavy set. Invariably. Yeah. And uh, Leon agrees saying that guy is F.A.T. positive. If yeah. that was missing, he would suspect a bald motherfucker like Larry. Yeah. Just incredible and- lines back and forth here between the two of them. It's yeah, funny, too, because that whole idea of somebody stealing stealing Leon's food was had its own story thread, which ended with, well, who is the food thief? You never find out. Right. Leon accuses the roofer and they play it for this funny moment. Right. But it's never pan, it doesn't pan out. It did originally in the script. Originally, they found out that Freddie Funkhauser stopped by and helped himself to the ice cream oh, after denying ah. it. But that got removed actually while they were shooting when they really see this that episode's just too long. And so what so, happened in the upcoming scene, you're going to see the pimento joke becomes the best joke of the episode for Jeff. It's the funniest thing he's heard for this episode. So everything becomes subservient to maintaining the pimento joke. And the only reason that Leon looking for his ice cream box remains in this scene is so that it can serve the pimento joke. Mm. Same shit comes out of a lady after she has a baby. You mean that's, that's a whole yes. thing line. I agree with Jeff. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I believe that's referred to as the placenta. <laughs> um. What are you a doctor? Of? I do. Yeah, so yeah. You know, at, at this moment and you know, obviously we don't know the, the, the Funkhauser part of it. Um, boy, what, what a devious asshole. He won't share his last, uh, what is it, Pellegrino, Perrier, whatever it is, but uh, he's uh, he's coming and taking the last Haggadahs, which is a much greater offense, I think. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm treating that as canon because, you know, I'm, yes. I'm very low on Freddie Funkhauser as a human, so mm. I'm, I'm just throwing that onto the pile of uh, Well, at this Freddie point Funkhauser in the episode, moves. there's no reason to possibly think that it could have been Jonas. Jonas is working outside on the roof. He's not coming inside. By the end of the episode, when we know that he went inside to take the charger, I think suspicion starts to raise because he's been inside the house taking things of Leon's uh, without permission. <laughs> so, so you yeah, see sure. vest- vestiges of jokes that still yeah. remain, even though limbs get lopped off. Still there's works. 12 right. limbs, but we lop off nine limbs. There's still three limbs left. Yeah, we got uh, 12 limbs. Yeah, jokes. so um, yeah, so Larry, uh, here's the roof creaking again, and that's it. I can't even stay here anymore. I'm packing a bag. I'm getting out of here. I'll come back when the roof is done. And, you know, this is just a disaster. I have my car. I have all these things to do. Uh, cut to Larry answering the door. And our good friend Miriam is back there to drive him again. Um, and this time he's going to let her take the bags. And she takes him to the chiropractor's office, who he is very pleased to tell about the vast improvement to his back. And the doctor once again leans over and Larry sees those free tidy whities one more time. And this time he can't hold his tongue. He tells the doctor that here's what I've concluded. The reason why you don't have any patients is because of your disgusting underwear. Because <laughs> um, that tells patients something. Something is amiss. Nobody wants to see a slovenly doctor who can't even take care of himself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this was a really that. difficult scene to edit because Josh Gad had glasses on. 
and he takes them off at different times and puts them back on at different times in every take. And some take he didn't takes he didn't even take them off. So never give actors props is my rule. Mm, yeah, that makes sense. Um, and you know he tells them good rule of thumb: once the cotton detaches from the elastic, they gotta go. You throw them out, much like a heroin addict doesn't keep the same needles. <laughs> um, and he goes on to suggest that, you know, maybe we, you know, we'll, I'll help you write an email to all your patients explaining <laughs> the situation. That will certainly help. Um, Love okay, how trusting so and naive Dr. Jacobson is, which, of course, will, uh, you know, come back uh, further in the, later in the episode as well. Yeah. So we're back to the studio. I, I feel like um, if you there, tell most people that you have a relationship with, uh, talk about their underwear, the way that Larry has a relationship with Dr. Jacobson, they say, I uh, get the fuck out of my office. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so miriam drops him off at the studio and is uh happy to you know larry's happy to help her have her help him with his bags this time and they walk past the set where seth rogan is recording some movie where he's playing a viking and as they walk by everyone stops and you know looks at the sight of larry being helped by this tiny woman and seth even calls larry out for it larry explains no you know it's it's protocol the car company said that i was sexist if i didn't let her do it and seth sarcastically remarks that of course you can't disobey you know the very powerful car company um so larry's crew has- members all those crew members in the background are the actual Curb Your Enthusiasm crew. Oh, and the fun. voice of the voice of the director in the background is, of course, Jeff Schaefer. So, Roger, oh, uh, as a fellow Minnesotan, I recognize your last name as being Scandinavian in origin. So can you tell us about Seth's accent? Is he going for Danish, Swedish, Finnish? What, what's he doing here? <laughs> pid, pigeon Norsk, I think, would be the <laughs> accurate term. <laughs> what is this Viking movie about that Seth is making? I'm interested in seeing it. <laughs> it's about a cowardly Viking, <laughs> but there was a whole bit about uh, he didn't like he thought the helmet that he was wearing looked ridiculous and he should get a better helmet. And so he's going to throw the helmet away. He wants him to make a new helmet. There was a lot of uh, improv and which was all funny and I got to enjoy it, but no one else will ever get to see it. Um, okay, so yeah, so Larry is going to head on into the lot um, to go talk to some of uh, some of the cast, and they're all saying how you know everything is great except there's one problem. You know, Jason is proselytizing to all us to all of us about Jews for Jesus, and it's really interfering with our work. And Larry uh, agrees to go talk to Jason and um, tell him to stop. And let's go check that out. Larry, hey, can you have a second? You know, I actually do. It's great. Um, in the scene where I swap with Larry as the chauffeur for the blind woman, yeah. why would she not know it's me? Because she's blind. Uh, I'm just not buying it. Oh, you're not buying it. Not really, no. You're buying the virgin birth. <laughs> What's so hard to believe about the virgin birth? Oh, no, it's just people get <laughs> pregnant by God. All the time. Well, they don't. That's what makes it so special. Why wasn't Joseph having sex with her, by the way? They were married. Well, she was trying to keep herself pure for God. What did Mary tell Joseph when she got pregnant? I have brought unto you a miracle, the Son of God. He grows within me. And then you know what Joseph did? He went next door and he spoke to his friend. He said, she's she's out of her fucking mind. I gotta get out of there. (laughs) No, that's one of God's miracles. Yeah. The parting of the sea and the falling of like frogs from the sky. Look, you want to be a Jesus guy, Zygazunt, go ahead. Yeah. (laughs) These Jews... Uh-huh. on the set are not for Jesus. So leave them alone. No proselytizing here. That's out. Oh, okay. Got it? No more Jesus. Okay? Just I have full just honesty and transparency. 
Yeah. I am going to be saying his name inside in my heart. That's how I get say to Say it inside day. as much as you want. I will shout I it I don't care inside. what you say inside. You okay. Oh, shoot. Oh, sorry. What's the matter? No, it's just my sciatic is acting up. You need a chiropractor? I got the guy. My back was terrible. This guy was really helping me. Oh, really? Yeah. That would be incredible. You think he could fit me in, like, I don't know, maybe today? <laughs> uh, yes, I think he can fit you in today. I'll get you the number. Okay, thank you so much. Um, you had said, and this, again, this is just a Hall of Fame scene for me. You had said last week that Larry's argument about prayer is one you've had verbatim with your mom. I feel like Larry's conversation with Jason here is one that I've had verbatim with, like, with other Jews who always, like, already definitely agree with me. But I would never have the temerity to say it to someone who actually believes in Jesus, uh, let alone on TV. So, which is, I guess, one of the many reasons why I am not Larry David, but. (laughs) Yeah, although I would say, like, this kind of translates universally that, like, if you take the, like, very like closely held precepts of any religion and just like break yes. them down like this and say them out loud like yeah. they all just kind sure. of like don't hold up to the you know that level of scrutiny yeah uh but yeah it's just like it's great to just like see someone go through that analysis like i also i also love like how jason possibly couldn't get any more jewy before he complains about uh, back pain and then tries to get his jewish friend's medical recommendation <laughs> it's just like you know <laughs> jason you could talk about your love for jesus all you want but uh, if hitler comes back here on the first train <laughs> yeah and what what i think is so funny about this conversation and like kind of what i was saying is that it's like it's when you it's when you treat it like kind of like the way that we do a curb episode where it's like if it's a story where they're characters it's just like okay that's what the story needed but if you're like no these are like are actually people that lived like then you need to like really deconstruct their motivations because like that's not like what a person would do in that situation like oh so yeah. his wife is just like oh i was like it, you know immaculately conceived and he's like oh okay cool that sounds great you know yeah. that makes sense <laughs> nothing nothing there was a line here. There was a line that was trimmed off there that where he says, say Jesus inside as much as you want. But if I see another pamphlet on the set, I will burn it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, By the way, I also thought in the very beginning of that scene, when when Cliff starts saying that he's not buying the or Jason is saying he's not buying the blind woman wouldn't know the difference between them. I thought they were going for an Isaac, Jacob, Esau, Rebecca reference there uh, since uh, Jason is so biblical. But I guess that's a little bit too inside uh, inside uh, Jewish baseball for uh, Larry was very complimentary of this actor too because he really did his research on what Jews for Jesus believe mm-hmm. and so he was able to you know come right back at Larry whenever during this debate I, I hope yeah, he Maria did Sophia also did research about Jews <laughs> yeah Maria Sophia researched and found that Jews like to talk with their hands a lot oh, yes. which I can confirm is true <laughs> um, okay we're gonna we're gonna jump straight into the very next scene which is uh, Larry going to talk to Seth Rogen and uh, this is going to be our final clip of the episode so enjoy and just before we, uh, right before Larry walks up on them, we see, yeah. we see Seth talking. Yeah, you look at this Viking on the right, and ironic for a Viking, he looks a lot like Aaron Rodgers to me. This guy <laughs> oh, holding the I cigarette. That. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe these guys are planning an insurrection. You never know. <laughs> I think I was yeah. doing like a Norwegian accent up till now, but I'm thinking they're kind of pivoting to more of like a Danish accent. <laughs> I think that. Hey, hey, Larry. You got a toddler carrying your shit around still? <laughs> yeah, that yeah. was uh, slightly embarrassing. It's a bad look. I know that, and that's why I'm I'm here okay. uh, to tell you that I'm aware of that. Great. As long I'm, as you're aware. I'm aware. I get it, man. It's tough out there. You want to look relatable, you know? That's a big part of my thing. Trust Absolutely. me, I'm an everyman. An everyman? Yeah. Really? Is that who you want to be? People like an everyman, just so you know. They may like an everyman, but most everyman kind of stupid exactly that's how i come across i portray myself as stupid so people relate to me more okay you want to be stupid 
I don't want to be stupid. I want people to think I'm stupid. I see. So you're a smart person who's trying to appear stupid so people will like you. Yeah, and you're a nice person appearing to be an asshole so no one likes you? Yeah. Honestly, just here's all I have to say about it. I'm working with you. I'm associated with you from now on. People are saying our names in the same sentences. Yes. Try not to do things that make you very much seem like an asshole to anyone who's looking at you. I completely get it. Okay. I, just in my own defense. Yeah. There are certain things that... Uh -oh. I would prefer a man doing over a no, woman. Don't say that to anyone. Keep that shit to your fucking yeah. self, man. But there are also certain things I'd prefer to having a woman over a man. That's also bad. Why is that bad? Like a massage? Don't say that shit. I don't want a man touching Larry, me. Larry, just stop naming professions and which sexes should do them and which ones shouldn't. Okay. Don't do that. Okay. All sexes can do all jobs. Sure, no, I know they can. Well, we all have our secret preferences as to who we want to work on us. Well, they should be secret. Let me ask you a question. What? Eye doctor? I don't give a fuck. You care who looks at your eyes? Ah, I don't like it. I'm, I'm looking at your eyes right now. No, but you're not hovering. Oh, you're not an inch away from it's me. An eye doctor. I don't like it. Urologist. Proctologist. Man. See? That makes no sense. You don't want a man face to face with you want to stick his finger up your fucking ass? You're gonna feel comfortable with a strange woman sticking her finger up your ass? I don't give a fuck who's sticking their finger up my ass. What kind of woman becomes a urologist anyway? A very bright, enterprising woman who wants to make dicks and butts better. Okay. You know, I might try that out. I'm gonna try that give out. Give it a try. I'm gonna let you know about that. I would text it, okay? Keep it to yourself, man. Don't we don't know each other that well. You've said 30 insane things to me in the last few minutes. Well, I'm not an everyman. No, you're not an everyman. I'm not an everyman. You are a singular man. All right. So excited you're doing it. I'm the excited show. to be working it's with be you. Great. Oh, I look yeah. forward to little Larry. So glad you're doing it. I'm excited but to you do know, it. That, what, what are you supposed to do? They send the tiny Just woman. Just stop to... talking about it. Just stop, Larry. Walk away. Stop. <laughs> so, such a just an incredible Let's scene. Legendary. Absolutely yeah. legendary. So much about that scene. I absolutely love. Um, <laughs> I, um, I, I do like, um, I like the naming the professions in which sexes reminds, it reminds me of the friends conversation where Ross is uncomfortable with his male nanny. And he says, that's like, well, a woman being, uh, and Rachel and Monica turn, they're like, what, a what? And he like, doesn't know how to end that sentence. <laughs> I think he says King, right? <laughs> King. Yeah. That's a good idea. Yeah. There was a, uh, that's a callback. You remember the, uh, Larry goes to see a, a female eye doctor yeah. in episode two. Yeah. K and uh, there was a whole discussion Kelly. that we cut out of episode two where Larry and Jeff are on the golf course and Larry admits he doesn't like going to male eye doctors. And Jeff says, why? He says, because they're so close to you and they breathe on your face and they, you know, they touch you with their knees. And, and we took that out of that episode. And so this doesn't really function as much as a callback to that anymore but it's still funny on its own right it lives here as its own thing yeah and um of course the uh larry's whole discomfort with the with the male masseuse is obviously a, a great reference to seinfeld george's concern what if it moves um and, and i will you know i've seen many many eye doctors over the last couple of months for uh i've never once thought about about their sex but i will admit i'm a, i'm more of a larry guy than a seth guy when it comes to the masseuse so i'm not proud of it it's probably like a remnant of like you know, immature teenage gay panic or whatever. I don't know. But yeah, I definitely prefer the female. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. Also, it's like, you know, where Larry's coming from here, it's like, it's very different to say, like, I personally am comfortable with, like, you know, a male or female for a certain thing versus saying, like, a, a male or a female should not have yeah. that job. Like, those are very different things. Yeah, like, Larry says, what kind of woman entitled... wants to be a urologist? One of my closest friends from college is a urologist, uh, urologist, Ariella. She's a great, she's excellent. I would be proud to go to her if I had the needs for a urologist and live. She's her. bright and enterprising young woman who Absolutely just wants to help men is. with their dicks and butts. Exactly. <laughs> there was another uh, runner uh, running joke that that Jeff was really uh, in love with that we cut down quite a bit where everybody kept calling the show small Larry and then yeah. Larry had to correct them. No, no, it's little Larry. 
<laughs> it's young Larry, isn't it? But yeah, but Seth young Larry. It. Yeah. yeah. Well, they, they, right, they call it small Larry yeah, and little yeah. Larry and it's young Larry. Yeah. And so th- there was a reference in this scene as well, which we tripped. Yeah. So, I do love like tiny Larry. Yeah. We, um, you know, the we don't know each other that well. You said 30 insane things to me in the last few minutes. Like we saw this exchange in the season trailer and we saw it in the episode trailer. But it, it, it's, such, it's such a great line. It's such a great delivery. It doesn't make it any less good. Like it, the fact that we've already seen it doesn't step on it at all. This whole scene is just I think this is the fourth scene I've called a Hall of Fame scene in this episode. But uh, just I absolutely love everything about this scene. It's great. It was yeah, as an editor. Can you imagine? It was so much fun cutting yeah. this, but it was also a challenge. My first cut was probably eight minutes long, eight, nine minutes to, yeah. to get it down to you know three ish. And so there's a lot they talked about that was funny. And which isn't isn't room for. So we really boil it down to our, what's most relevant for the show and the funniest. Yeah, right. And it's probably yeah, it's tons of fun for Seth Rogen. He, you know, the, these people who play themselves on the show, they're playing sort of these lightly fictionalized versions of themselves. But from the Seth Rogen, at least the persona he gives off publicly in his book, yearbook, which is a great book, I recommend it. Like this really does seem like, a, you know, Seth Rogen yelling at Larry David in real life. So very enjoyable. There was an argument they had where they talked about Seth says, you know, I don't carry my own bags, too. I totally understand, you know, because if I'm seen having someone carry my stuff, someone takes a picture, I get in trouble. So they went down that rabbit hole as well. But uh, we trimmed it. Yeah. Yeah. So Jeff uh, drops off Larry at Freddie's house. I guess, you know, every episode this season seems to end with Larry and Jeff, Larry, uh, Larry and Freddie uh, hating each other. But then mm-hmm. in the next episode, they're best friends again. Mm-hmm. Um, and Freddie's like, did you get this weird email from the chiropractor? And Larry's like, get the email. I wrote the email. <laughs> and uh, Freddie confirms. That, um, yes, I did, in fact, stop going to the doctor because of the underwear, you know, this uh, rustic underwear from the Pilgrims era. Uh, but, you know, the problem wasn't the underwear per se. It's the type of person that would put everyone in that position of having to see it. And Larry opens up the fridge to grab a drink and asks uh, Freddie if he can have the last remaining Perrier. And uh, Freddie's like, not only can't you have it, like I'm insulted that you would even ask if you could have the last of something, which obviously belongs to the host. Uh, to to me, this Freddy, is further uh, proof that Freddie is not Jewish because uh, in a Jewish house, the host insists that the guest gets the last one and then will make passive aggressive remarks about it every time he sees the guest for the rest of their lives. <laughs> so, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he uh, he offers Larry some uh, some water, which is uh, double filtered. He filters it and then filters it again. Uh, but it's not cold. It would need ice, which Larry doesn't like because ice smells bad. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm generally anti-ice. I mean, I think it's the only thing that it's okay with really is water because my, my main issue with ice is the dilution and with water, it doesn't really, uh, matter that much. Uh, but I'm, you know, I'm anti-ice in general. Yeah. But I feel like um, Jeff, know, Freddy- Freddy's kitchen might be the biggest kitchen I've ever seen. Like he's obviously selling a ton of mattresses or maybe the funk house is doing gangbusters. I feel like he's not going to have smelly ice. He's going to have some like very, he's not like, he doesn't have some old ice tray in the freezer. He's got some fancy, you know, uh, very high quality ice, I would guess. Yeah, that could be. Um, and, you know, he, he's trying to help Larry with this car, setting him, up, setting him up with some app. And Larry says, you know, what would be really nice is, instead is if you would go back to see the, doc, the, the chiropractor. Uh, but this is a complete non-starter for Freddie. And Larry's like, you know what? That's it. I'd rather go back to my house and have the roof fall on my head than stay here with you. Um, and Freddie's just like completely shocked. Like, is this because I wouldn't let you have the seltzer? And Larry's like, yes. And remind me to never ask you for any more favors. He's like, remind you 
who'd ever sign up for a mining gig with you again? It's like mm. a predatory contract. Even if you had like a lawyer draw it up and, you know, recommended to me that I sign it, I would never sign up to remind you about something again. And uh, Larry's going to uh, call a car service instead. And of course, it's Miriam yet again. And she comes in to take the bags and they get into a big fight over who's going to carry the bags. Larry insists it should be him. She insists it should be her. They end up pushing each other, trying to grab the bags and rolling over on the floor and wrestling all over the grass. And as luck would have it, a, uh, a young boy and his mom happened to pass by and she pulls out his phone and videos the whole thing. Yeah. And, you know, Larry uh, fighting with a woman is the curb staple. But uh, every time I see it, I enjoy it. So uh, that's yeah, great. So we cut to uh, wait. We cut we go, to the we go back Larry to- did. Larry did a lot of his own fighting there, too, by the way, Larry and the, the actress. There oh, were really? stunt doubles for some angles for when they're like doing flips. But uh, <laughs> they're, they're, they're essentially getting in there themselves, which was fun. I had to edit in between the two. And one thing Larry was, he was he's just tickled by Vince Vaughn, how how Vince, as Freddie, always names very specific, unusual locations. I've got a guy in Tarzana who's going to deliver you a car. <laughs> If you notice, he'll always he'll, he'll name some unusual suburb or town or place in Los Angeles. What? Um, That's yeah, who recommended Jacobson to Larry in the first place? Because it seems like, you know, all his friends stopped going when they saw the underwear. So I wonder how Larry ended up there at all. Yeah, I don't think that's ever explained. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, can we talk about for uh, one second just to get really pedantic? Here. So, so the funk man is watching a Trailblazers home game. <laughs> I saw that. Yeah, but it's quite bright outside. So it's got to be either a Saturday yeah. or Sunday. Um, but Larry just came from the set where everyone was working. And plus, he's coming to avoid Jonas on the roof, which means he's working. So either all these people are working on a weekday uh, on a weekend or maybe it's like a Jared Jerome situation. Maybe he's watching a game he recorded from the night before. I don't know. Yeah. Don't or maybe it. or maybe the editor of the, of the episode just pulled stock footage. Yeah. Rep in NBA game and didn't think some <laughs> asshole was going to analyze it. Yeah, yeah, you can bet that stock footage is very expensive if you especially if you if you want actual NBA or uh, major league of any kind. So footage is very difficult to get. And there's a very limited supply of less expensive footage. So it's <laughs> we're lucky to even have footage. Yeah. Um, By so the way, I got to say, Freddie's Kitchen, I said, is really nice. That TV's too small. You got to get rid of some of those tchotchkes on the wall and then expand <laughs> the size of your TV, Fred. <laughs> so we cut to the car, and both uh, Larry and Miriam are very disheveled. Uh, she tells Larry to remind her to never drive him again. He says, don't worry. I completely own that reminder ship. You will never even have to think about that for the rest of your life. That reminder is on me. Uh, there's so a thing in over- that scene, too, yeah. that we cut out. Too. There's, a, there's a whole runner about charging and running out of powers. You know, like when they're having lunch, Larry runs out of power for his phone. Right. And we're about to see, you know, a final callback to uh, Larry's working and Leon's running out of power on his cell phone. And there was a moment in the limousine where Larry says, do you have a charger? And Miriam says, no, I don't have a charger. What do you mean you don't have a charger? I don't care about the mints. The most important thing you should have is a charger. And Miriam's line is never assume charger, which mm-hmm. you know, Jeff loves that phrase, but it never, we cut it out again because there wasn't time. And this is where the phone call happened where Larry discovered that uh, Freddie was the one stealing the ice cream, but again, mm. gone. And it's just cut down now to the minimal aftermath of the man fights tiny woman scene. Yeah. Um, so we're in the chiropractor's office. The chiropractor is examining Jason as he talks about Christ and how, you know, I used to be just Jewish and was like a windowless room. And then Christ showed up and it turns out the room wasn't windowless. The windows were just closed. And now everything in my life is imbued with a new sense of purpose. And he offers the doctor a pamphlet, which he gladly accepts. Yeah. By the way, I'm going to fact check Jason here. He said everyone who wrote the New Testament was Jewish. So I looked it up. Who are the traditional authors of all the books of the New Testament? 
And it looks like Paul, Luke, no? Luke, Luke wrote Luke and Acts. And Luke is traditionally believed to have been a Gentile Greek physician living in Antioch. So mostly Jews, but uh, maybe not all Jews. <laughs> all right. Mostly Jews is yeah. uh, we'll say mostly <laughs> true on, uh, yeah. <laughs> on the fact check. Um, yeah. We're, we uh, head back to Larry's house. Larry's uh, sitting in bed on his iPad. Leon yeah. comes in begging. Wait, for uh, I think also we missed, we, we missed the one other scene where Jonas insisted on showing Larry the tiles. Which which I love because it was like a side. Remember when Jerry and Conrad, the contractor and Conrad wants to show everything to Jerry and Jerry doesn't care. The scene where we meet the, the, uh, yeah. the roofer yeah. assistant, Eric, who wants to do the tattoos. Yeah, that was a hard scene to get out of, too. We didn't have a good button for that scene. I remember because, you know, Larry, I don't what do I care about tiles? And what I did was I lined up about a dozen reactions of Larry's face and stacked them all up. We call them stacks and they go through the stack and they pick their favorite. And that's the face you see of Larry at the end of the scene, just kind of nodding dissatisfied. And we didn't have a good end for that tile scene. Mm, Jerry could have, uh, excuse me, uh, Larry could have yelled at him, just figure it out. That's what he's uh, Jerry said to Conrad. <laughs> yeah, I, I did. I did love when Larry kept like pointing to the assistant, be like, stand him up. <laughs> yeah. No, he doesn't go up. Um, yeah, so, he's the helper. Yeah, <laughs> he's the helper. Um, so Larry, um, he's Larry says, no, I'm at nine percent. And Leon's like, you know, we could switch back and forth. You get some juice. I get some juice. You get some juice. I get some juice. And Larry's like, no, that would be suicide. This is a Sophie's choice. And you're the baby who's going. Spoiler alert for Sophie's choice. Um, suddenly, uh, Leon sees a wire heading out the window and realizes that the roofer is using his charger on the roof. So Leon starts tugging on the longest charger cable in the history of the world, which seems to have a stretch out the window, up yes. to the roof, like halfway across the house. Um, and as he's pulling out, the roofer starts chasing after it to try to retrieve it. And this, of course, results with the roofer coming crashing through the ceiling as Larry had uh, fear of the whole episode, landing in Larry next to his bed, to which Larry just very wryly and hilariously quips, take the rest of the day off. That was one of three. There was three alts for that line, actually. And we tested it with our test audience to see which one played best. And the other two were, and you came so highly recommended. And, and you uh, want to be my roofer. <laughs> the third one was, how much longer do you think this will take? <laughs> I like that. Yeah, yeah. I think I think you had the right with the right choice. Yeah, take the. Yeah. Um, we have a we have a question from one of our uh, listeners, Olin Allen, who says that he feels that a very underrated feature of Curb is the physical comedy, and we have two very notable scenes of uh, physical comedy in this episode: the fight scene, and then you know the, the roof crashing scene. And his question for you, Roger, is um, like, how much effort is needed, like in an uh, in a editing like a scene with like physical comedy to like be like extra precise about like getting that right is that like an, an extra skill um needed for this show well it's like editing action it's an action scene and right. it's sort of it's it's the same thing as when i was editing gray's anatomy they would have these medical action scenes with people flying around and gurneys coming and and scalpels and blood it's the same with a comedy scene like this you've got all these pieces and what's the funniest order to put them in and there's a shot, for instance, in this scene where the roofer comes through the ceiling. You don't see him fall through the ceiling. You see him fall into the bed. And then Larry looks up to the ceiling and you see the aftermath of the hole in the roof. And we originally weren't going to show that hole in the roof because Jeff was very skeptical that our special effects people were going to be able to deliver something that was realistic. But once we saw what they did, we go, wow, that's great. That's got to go in. And we cut it back in. And it's a matte painting that they animated of a hole in the roof with the sun shining through. 
And I, there's never any real hole in the roof. It, it, it almost even gives off like these religious overtones. I thought of the sun shining through it. Like, you know, I don't know. I, I thought there was maybe just because of the, the other theme of, of the episode. But I, I sort of had this this feeling of sort of a religious. Uh, I don't know. I, it's I really 100%. It yeah. That's what the special effects people delivered when we thought it was going to be crap. And we looked at, oh, that's great. Well, cu- let's cut it in. No, the, the first time I saw the episode Sunday night, I died of laughter. Uh, it. <laughs> it was it was just incredible. All that footage on the roof too is shot at ground level with against a green screen. It's not a real roof; it's a fake roof. And all the running across the roof is done by a stuntman in a fat suit with the actor's face put on. There's one shot where his his face is adjusted to look like the actor, but uh, the, 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 it was difficult to indicate him falling and then hitting the ground or hitting the roof in such a way that it would make uh, a hole in the roof. Yeah. And it, wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't really planned for. So in the editing, we had to kind of manufacture that moment. You see his foot kind of catches on a tile. And that was just a random shot that we grabbed. My assistant found that actually and suggested it. And that is the uh, implication for what he trips and falls and hits the roof. And of course the weight is too much for the roof because it's been weakened over successive days of him working up there. And so all the groundwork is laid for him going through the roof, but the visual way of making it happen and making it funny was completely an editorial thing. This assistant of yours just wants to be a tattoo artist, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we could have had him it. slip on the uh, if there was like a, a half eaten Haagen-Dazs. Yeah. Uh, he could have slipped on that. Yeah. Those are the kind of things uh, and people in screenings, people come up with stuff like that. And Larry and Jeff go, oh, why didn't we think of that? <laughs> but yeah, I do love, you know, I've mentioned how long the court is in the beginning of the scene. I'm like, there, there's no way that Larry and Leon combined in that entire mansion plus guest house would only have two chargers. But when you're when you have a 60 foot long cord, you don't need another charger because you can take it with you. Everywhere. <laughs> right. It goes. It goes everywhere. Yeah. Um, so we cut back over to the studio lot where Seth is watching footage on YouTube of Larry wrestling Miriam under the caption man fights tiny woman. And of course, he's like, yep, not working with that guy. Yeah. And so here's the source, Ky- of course, of the yeah. uh, the title of the episode. And once again, it's credit to my assistant. We when when we were cutting that scene of this viral video. Uh, I told my assistant, okay, just build me a, one of those YouTube thermometers on the bottom and then give it a title on the top, you know, anything, something like Larry David in altercation with limo driver. That's the instruction I gave him. And then he said, uh, I, I kept going, is it ready? Is it ready? And he goes, oh, okay, I'll send it. I said, which, which title do you want? I have several choices. And I said, just give me the shortest possible one. And so he put man fights, tiny woman in there he wrote it and picked it and he sent it over to me and i laughed so hard i said this is great and so i showed it to larry and jeff and they loved it and we kept that title and then i lobbied wow. for it as the title of the show because wow. i thought this is a, such a descriptive the title itself is funny and it's so wrong men should never fight women ever <laughs> it's just so that makes it doubly bizarre and uh you've never seen it before yeah, that, that Are you is very saying funny. that women women shouldn't have the job of fighting men <laughs> ever. You never touch a right. My, my mom said never touch. You never. Well, you know, when I, I grew up with three, two brothers and a sister, and my mom said, you know, because we're always fighting with each other and getting in altercations, and she, you know, said don't hit each other, but if you do, don't hit the head. So that was her rule, and so, but especially, he said, don't never hit your sister because men should should never hit women. Yeah. And yeah. Larry, of course, doesn't hit her, but it, it's 
built up in such a way that it's funny that these two are so adamant about insisting on I'm the one who's carrying the bag that it Larry gets away with making light out of this very serious topic. Yeah. And I think I think you're right. Like logically in the world of Curb, if this video were to go viral, it probably would have had a name like Larry David, creator of Seinfeld, you know, fighting a, a small woman. But from a comedic perspective, man fights tiny women is much funnier. And yeah, there's another assistant. aspect the name to of the this episode. too. Larry was very disappointed. He, he said, I'm very disappointed in myself as a writer for even using a viral video because it's such a, it's become a trope. It's, it's, it's too, it's weak writing. It's a crutch to like, you get information out by happening to see a viral video. Right. But I'm so glad they did because it, it, it led to this very funny uh, caption. Yeah, it's great. Uh, now so they did it finals- before with Michael Richards yelling um, at the at the two African Americans um, standing next to Leon outside. But, but there, of course, that was an intentional reference to the fact that Michael Richards' career had been taken down by a similar video. So, right, yeah, I mean, I, I make a, an appearance in that episode. Actually, uh, oh, wow. my only appearance in Curb. I edited that episode, and we were editing it one day, and uh, they decided we need a cutaway. Someone has to be watching this altercation between Leon. Um, oh, are you one of the people who whips out their phone? Yeah, it's oh, me nice. and Alec Berg, one of the other showrunners. I, I show oh, it wow. to Alec because mm-hmm. we just said, hey, we need this. Let's go. So we just went That's out funny. in the parking lot and grabbed the shot. All right, I'll have to All take right, a we'll, look we'll, at that. Now. Yeah, we'll have to go take a look at that. Yeah, yeah that's very cool. Alec Berg, fact. of course, you know, the showrunner of Barry yeah. and Silicon Valley. Yep. yep. Yeah. Great John Hodgman name. Houseman. Houseman. Sorry. Yeah. yeah John Hodgman's a different person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, final scene. We go back to the chiropractor's office, and the doctor is working on Larry's back and telling him how excited he is to have patients uh, again since he's upgraded his underwear. And Larry is very grateful that he has healed his back. To which the doctor responds, "I will restore you to health and heal your wounds." Declares the Lord Jeremiah thirty seventeen. I would love to tell you about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I have some pamphlets. To which Larry replies. <laughs> Oh, fuck. And we get our lovely curb music and the episode ends. Um, so, so, you know, to kind of just to like put a put a pin on this, I think it would be great just to hear from you, Roger, about like the way that curb episodes end um, from an editing perspective, because that's like to me, like one of the like trademark features of curb is like the the way everything always ties together and i feel like in this episode we had like three possible endings like the roofer crashing through could have been how the episode ends um like seth watching the video could have been how the episode ends and then of course the way it actually ends is on this scene so it's like i we we always like wonder like how you, they kind of make those decisions sometimes it always feel it feels to us like the like the last callback is like one beat too much sometimes like we wish it would have ended on the previous one here i think it's a it's a really good ending um so if you could just like kind of quickly talk us through that process well the rule of comedy you know roger's rule of comedy you want the a story to be the final one that ends you need to end the stories Mm -hmm. in reverse order of smallest to biggest so the c story should climax then the b story and then the a story should be the last to resolve typically the way this was scripted, it, it actually ended with Seth Rogen watching the video. That was the original plan. But when I was editing, I, th- I thought, no, it's so much funnier. This scene with Josh Gad is a funnier ending. To me, it's a stronger ending. So I swapped it uh, and then showed it to Jeff and Larry. And they never even remembered they wrote it any other way because it just seemed to work to end there. Because it, it gave us a visual punctuation with Larry bumping his head on the, uh, the headrest for the massage table and that times up with the uh the beat and the music 
And so it gives you that, that classic curb feeling of bump bump and it's over. Yeah. Oh yeah. Perfect. It's, it's, it's a perfect ending. All right. Well, Av, we'll start with you. Uh, what's your rating for this episode? So, yeah, I'm going to say that this episode, I laughed a ton. The, the humor of this episode was like a little broader than I think what I'm used to with Curb. Um, but like it was a nice change of pace. Um, and I think, you know, I laughed enough to say that this is an above average episode of Curb. So I'm going to say it is pretty, 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 pretty good. Three and a half pretties out of five. Huh. All right. I will say, um, yeah, this episode to me had just so many Hall of Fame scenes. I was laughing harder than I think just about any uh, episode in a long, long time. Uh, I think that the, the the last four episodes, the run we're on, is the strongest run since like the end of season seven. Uh, just an incredible run. Uh, and Jeff Schaefer has led us to believe things are about to get even better. So I'm very, very excited. Uh, earlier, I mentioned Dr. Thorngood from uh, Mr. Softy, which is uh, season eight, episode nine. That is number 13 on my rankings, and I'm going to slot this one one spot below it at number 14 out of 88, which means for me it is pretty, 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 pretty good. Four and a half pretties for me. Uh, wow. My favorite episode of the season and just an incredible. Uh, and I mean, again, water like we've had three great episodes in the last four, like incredible episodes, but I absolutely love this episode. I give all episodes. I edit all five pretties okay, at all times. And any episode by someone else, I give one. <laughs> that's that's a right, good so strategy. We'll, we'll, we'll I actually sure was going through. For, uh, so. uh, Roger, I was going through the episodes that you edited, according to IMDb, that we've reviewed so far, which so not obviously not the rest of season 11 and not uh, seasons 10 episodes yet. And um, your average rating is well above uh, the overall average episode, um, the episodes that you've edited, I mean. And See so, what I mean? Yeah, that's without even your fives coming in and your ones for the other episodes. <laughs> yeah, we, if, we, if we throw those in, then, you know, yeah. we could we could uh, knock that up a peg or two. Yeah, <laughs> that's why I had to write a book about editing. Exactly. Oh, come on. Be a come with guy. Um, all right, Roger, we'll let you go first. Uh, who is your come with guy for this episode? That, that's the uh, the hero of the episode. Yeah. Uh, hero, MVP. Yeah. yeah, the MVP. Well, I mean, you know, I probably Leon. Uh, I'm going to give for the MVP and cause, and, and there were far fewer choices where I think I've got six potential candidates for the jerk of the episode. Okay. And uh, what about you? Um, I'm going to go with Seth Rogen. Um, there was a lot of very funny scenes in this episode. I thought that one was the best one. The way he just like keeps coming strong at Larry um, sticks with it, you know, teaches Larry to stay woke. Um, great stuff from Seth Rogen there. So he's my come with guy. All right, I'm going to do something a little controversial here. I'm going to say Larry David himself. Uh, and I know it's controversial when this happens. Let me defend myself. Um, first, LD is literally acting as his own come with guy throughout the episode. He's carrying his own bags and so on. But like more to the point, there are four separate scenes in this episode that I described as Hall of Famers. Uh, that is the conversation with um, Miriam, the driver. Um, then there is the conversation with Freddie, or, not with Miriam, excuse me, with, with, the, um, with the telephone operator for her company. Uh, the conversation with Freddie, uh, the conversation with Jason Steinberg, and then the conversation with Seth Rogen. So all four of those characters, I think, could merit some come with guy, come with gal consideration for their performance in those scenes. But like the one commonality in all four is LD himself. So I'm going to give it to LD. This is only the third time uh, through the 88 episodes we've reviewed so far that I've made LD his own come with guy. Uh, the first time was the baptism in season two, which I mentioned earlier. And the second time was the vow of silence in season eight. Uh, guess how many times you've chosen Larry as uh, the come with guy? Um, I'll say seven. 
Wow. Seven. Exactly. Well, are you looking or you just guessed that randomly? <laughs> no, I just guessed. Oh, well done. Yes. Seven times. None since season seven. So that's 10 total nominations for Larry, which ties him uh, with Cheryl for second uh, most all time behind Jeff. So congrats to Larry for uh, being his Leon's own. Leon's not player. in the top rankings. Yeah, not yet, well, um, he, which is surprising. Yeah. Wow. Well, he he missed the first five seasons of the show. So yeah, and we he, haven't uh, done and we haven't stuff. done seasons nine and ten yet on this podcast. So, yeah, Leon is actually so it, it's Cheryl and Jeff, and then we have Susie, and then we have Leon right now. Oh, right Susie now. would have to be high in the rankings yeah. for sure. You're a fucking asshole. That's what you are. Um, all right, who is the? I'll, I'll go first here. The fucking asshole to me. Uh, you know, there's so many nominees, as Roger has mentioned throughout the episode. <laughs> to me, it's got to be Jason, though. As I said before, you want to be a Jesus guy, Zygazun. But this Jew on this podcast is not for Jesus. So, Jason, you're the fucking asshole. Who's next? Me? Uh, yeah, boy, go for I, it. Would, I would I would almost have to agree with you. But 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 since you went first, uh, I'm going to go with the uh, phone operator for the limousine service, which is my first nominee, yeah. because I think she so mangles what Larry's saying. But if she hadn't, there'd be, there would be no comedy. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of a double edged sword. Yeah, I'm with you, Roger. I'm going with the car service, customer service rep. Um, she just like everything Larry says, she like interprets in the least terrible way possible, um, almost as if she's doing it intentionally for the for purposes of a bit. Um, and just like completely just like, um, you know, just is a complete fucking asshole. And, you know, makes Larry, um, you know, look embarrassed for no reason. So she's the winner this week. I would watch for her in a, a, you know, in a lot of future projects because uh, she's memorable. I think she'll get a lot of work out of this. Yeah. Yeah. She's she's very good. All right. All right. So Roger, um, this was super duper awesome. Thank you so much. We really appreciate your time. I know we've taken more of your time than we promised we would. um, So we're greatly appreciative for that. Um, This was so much fun and thank you so much. Happy to do it. Yeah, I love talking about the show. I love working on the show. It's the best job I ever had. Larry, can you imagine working with Larry David every day? I mean, it's a dream come true. So I'm thankful yeah. and grateful for that and happy to chat with you guys. I had a lot of fun. All right. Thank you so much, Thank you so much. I would you stop with the Ted dance? <laughs> Who's he? He's somebody. What about me? You're nobody. Why him? Why not me? He's good. You're not. I'm better than him. You're worse. <laughs> much, much worse. All right. So we got couple cameos in this episode of course we have josh gad playing uh dr jacobson and then we have seth rogan who i playing himself and i'm going to assume that he is the 19th member of the ted dancing club right seth rogan more famous in 2021 than ted dancing was in 2000 yeah he's he's easily in he's a huge movie star yeah he's a first ballot uh ted dancing club yes all right all right uh av before we get into the mailbag i hear some creaking above me (laughs) um i do i don't know who that is but, you know, I'm going to walk outside. I'm going to see what's going on here. I need my phone charger. Well, who's at the other end of this phone charger? Is that? Who is here? Is there Who a is roofer this? in the house? Is this <laughs> Jonas the roofer? It is. How are you guys doing? Wow. Brad Grunberg with a surprise pop in uh, in the postman. Uh, Brad uh, sent us an email, said he uh listening to the podcast and we had already recorded of course with Roger the part that uh, you guys have just heard but we wanted to make sure to uh, squeeze Jonas the roofer in and so uh, here he is uh, in the flesh to join us uh, for the postman so Brad welcome to pretty pretty good and I guess tell us you know we'll start with the first question we ask most guest stars on the show no uh, I no no I have, oh. I have a question before that because we, oh. we've had a bunch of people who've been on the show who we've reached out to this is the first time ever. <laughs> 
And someone has reached out to us and said, hey, I want to come on pretty, pretty, pretty good because I want to talk about Curb. So yeah. well, well, um, we had the second, but the first to do it in time before his episode aired. Yeah, I guess so. Very yeah, so yeah. yeah, Brad, how did you find us? Well, I found you because my friend and my buddy, like my brother, Dave Linden, he is a voiceover artist and an unbelievable guy. Very, he should do your voiceover for your show. He's unbelievable. Works all the time. He's okay. been my buddy for 25 years. He loves you guys. And he goes, you got to see these guys. And I go, all right, man, I love you. And you know my humor. And I watched you guys and I just like, oh, my God, these guys are awesome. Just awesome. Because I, you know, we'll take and it. I, I got hooked, man. I got hooked. We'll and I'm very, I'm very lonely. So I live with my parents. So. <laughs> <laughs> Looking for an outlet. But I'm here for you guys. Whatever you need to know about me, I'm, I'm an open book. All right. So now, Alex, you can proceed with the, with the usual question. I just have yeah. to get that one out. Off yeah, my no. chest. So, but t- so tell us, you know, uh, how did the, the casting, how did you get show up on this episode? So it's one of my favorite shows. Of course, I was a big Seinfeld fan. Love Larry David. And I had read for the show before. And uh, I read for the, uh, you know, remember when Larry was a uh, car, car salesman yeah. at the car dealership? So I read for that. Yeah, one. with Mr. Takahashi. Yeah, not Mr. Exactly. Takahashi, not as Mr. Takahashi. <laughs> no, no, well, no. We, we have well, we I I maintain it was Mr. Takahashi playing a character. But yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I have a lot of range. Let me tell you, okay. Um, but uh, I read for that, didn't get it, and uh, I was bummed. But you know, you got to come, keep coming back for more. I've been doing this a long time. You never give up. And uh, when I heard about this, my agent uh, Mike Eisenstadt got me in and. Mike said, this is for you, buddy. Just crush it. Get it. And, I, and you know what they did? Of course, you know. Everybody knows. It's just a premise. And it's just a premise. And I was this roofer guy. And by the way, I'm going to tell your audience right now, I'm sending you my audition tape. What got me the part? And I'm going to send it to you. And I knew the thing I did at the, at the end of the audition got me the part. Can I, uh, let me t- I'll tell you what I did. So I did the whole thing, you know, with, with uh, Jonas. I'm looking for Larry David, blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden I went, Oof, wow, I, I had a big breakfast buffet. Larry, can I use your bathroom? And I walk right by the camera and I have a feeling that got me the part, you know. <laughs> but I will tell you, uh, the first thing we did was the uh, when, when I crashed through the roof. I'm laying next to Larry David in bed. I know it's a dream of yours, uh, both of you. Uh, and yeah. I said to Larry, I said, Larry, thanks, man. Thank you for having me, man. He goes, oh, no, man. He goes, you earned it. I go, earn it? Excuse me? He goes, you owned your weight. I go, like candy, like <laughs> candy and, uh, and, and uh, Gleason? He goes, like Jackie Gleason? He goes, yep. He goes, yes. And we're happy to have you, man. And I'll tell you, a lot of guys read for it. I know a lot of guys read for this part. You know? Yeah, wow. I mean, we were saying earlier with Roger, it, you know, you're lying in that bed. And I think, you know, I don't, I don't know if you're realizing it at that moment when you're talking to Larry, but like every clip show of Curb in perpetuity is going to show that scene. Is going to show, you know, you like Ben next oh. to Larry. Oh, absolutely. I mean, unbelievable. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's just, it, it was really surreal. A whole, I mean, they, this was a great an actor. They locked me in February and COVID was, you know, I mean, it's still prevalent in our society, but it was really, and they were, so they locked me up for three weeks. I only worked three days. That's pretty cool. You know? So when I was eating a sandwich, I was being paid. When I was yeah. being, I was being paid. <laughs> so that's the world of an actor. And, you know, it was great. Sounds and like my kind of gig. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, what, how about this? Okay. I have a feeling just between us. 
I heard this on the set. I'm not going to tell you who I heard it from, but I think it's true. Larry is coming back for one more for this reason. He's 74 years old. He wants to do one more, and you won't believe why. He wants everybody to get one more season of paychecks. How cool is that? He doesn't need the Larry money. David seems well, like a great guy. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I think he doesn't need the money. He's a nice no. guy who pretends to be an asshole. <laughs> no, I'm telling you, he's not, a, he's not an asshole. He's really a nice yeah. guy. He's so zen. And, and a funny story, he's so health conscious, right? So I'm sitting in Video Village, and for your audience, Video Village, where, where the director sits with all the cameras and the producer. And all of a sudden, uh, Laura, this great, oh, the producer, she like started like maybe in a, as an associate producer. She made all the way up to the big, big dog, you know? Beautiful woman, so sweet, so nice. And she goes, Larry, what do you want for lunch? And he and he goes, I would love that sandwich I had yesterday from Bay City. And Bay City is a really great sandwich place in Santa Monica. And, you know, he does this whole thing is set like near his house. You know, he lives on the west side, so he doesn't want to travel far. So she, he goes, oh, I'll just send a PA to get it. He goes, oh, no, 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 you don't have to do that. All right, all right. And, he, and then he goes, did you see what Julio's making at craft service oh, for dessert? Well, excuse me, red velvet cake and ice cream. Oh, I would never eat that. I had two. I had his. <laughs> so I told him after lunch, he goes, Good for you. I like that. So yeah. And Leon and good. Jeff also. Larry likes to complain about <laughs> yeah, Right. Exactly. Absolutely. Oh, and JB Smooth. Oh, my God. He is, I've worked with him before. One of the nicest guys and hilarious. Oh, my God. He just took me apart. There were some other parts that, you know, I, we filmed so much. So, because he, he, remember when he, uh, he goes, Who ate my, my ice cream bar? Yeah. He comes out to confront me. And it was really funny. And, uh, and, uh, and then Jeff Garland's great, you know. Everybody thinks we look alike, and early on when I was an actor, you do I, have a yeah, yeah. I look up at him at an audition. It was just him and I in the room, and I go, "Hey, how you doing?" I'm Brad Grunberg. Uh, everybody thinks we look alike, and he looks at me like this, and then he goes, "Yeah, right." And I go, Stop, you know, <laughs> that was hilarious. But he's a great guy. We're good friends. So, guys, I'm living the dream, man. I'm so blessed. This was my Hanukkah gift. Mm. being on the show yeah. and you know so yeah. cool very cool um yeah, so, so tell yeah. us go inside uh you know you went further inside jonas's head than any of us uh did he did he steal the uh the haggadahs what do you think of course i did <laughs> of course i did oh my god so Why? um yeah so you, so unfortunately unfortunately for you you didn't have the benefit of hearing uh the first part of our episode yet where we interviewed the editor of the episode who told us that there's a deleted scene where we learned out that it was, we learned that it was actually Freddie Funkhauser who stole or not stole right. but whatever took the Hagen does um exactly. and that was supposed to tie into the whole like Perrier thing um so yeah right. um yeah I I I certainly would have suspected you I mean listen I'm a portly fellow myself a bit long in the waistband <laughs> Um, you know, yes. if there's a Hagen Daz, you're gonna take it. You know, you're you're, you're what am I gonna the house. Up? Yeah, you're yeah. gonna check the freezer. You see a Hagen Daz, a Hagen Daz <laughs> is delicious. Of course, we can eat it. Oh yeah. my god, the best, you know. Oh um, my, you know, it's great. I, you never, it's so secretive. It's like they give me the premise. I don't even read this. There's no script, there's nothing. You know, they keep everything hush hush, which is so great. I didn't even know the episode until I saw it, you know, and uh, it was just great. I, I just hope I have a great, uh, oh. I have a great pitch that I'm going to pitch Jeff and hopefully Larry on coming back. If they do one more season, I have a great thing. Jonas returns. <laughs> we got to get Jonas back. I mean, how can you do season 12 without Jonas the roofer? Yeah. Exactly. I mean, Larry did say take the day off, but yeah, he didn't say take the whole season off. 
Right. right. He said, yeah, right. take the day off and then come back for the next season. Yeah. <laughs> you guys are young guys, but do you remember, um, you know, Seinfeld, the great uh, John Panette, you know, the comedian? He Remember the last Seinfeld, he couldn't get in the car? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That guy? yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, passed away. He was such a great guy. So nice. So sweet. He opened for Sinatra. Oh, my God. He was hilarious. I want to come back like him in the final, you know what I'm saying? Or something, mm-hmm. you know? It's like, yeah. oh, no, you're back. Yeah, <laughs> I have to I have to say, like, I, you know, I have, uh, I guess, lower self-esteem than uh, fellows like you and him, because, like, if there, if I was, like, had to respond to a casting call where it's like, oh, we need, like, a fat guy for this, like, I would just, right. like, you know, cr- you know, fold into a ball and cry. Like, I don't want to <laughs> just, like, be the fat guy. Oh, my God. that's Guys, I have an idea. I have an idea. If it comes back for one more year, you guys come out to L.A. on the set. What do you think? That sounds pretty I'm good. In. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, sounds like a good deal. It sounds <laughs> like a good deal do, for us. Maybe you do your show on the set, but then you don't you don't play it until after, yeah, yeah. like you know, sure. like that. We got or, or if if we're invited to the set, we're willing yes. to. I will uh, sign every off. NDA. Yes, will, yes. Well, okay. we, won't, we won't we won't post post the podcast right away. Yeah, no, we're, yeah, we're in for that. Yeah, yeah. speak yeah. to Larry. Speak to Jeff. Uh, speak <laughs> to course, HBO. Yeah, I would love you. That would be amazing, right? We we ship your chair out and your bed in the back. And we just have, you know, some people carried around wherever you go. And it'll be great. Um, yes. By the way, being and a we, we, we too will use all of our connections and resources to advocate for a Jonas the Roofer return. So okay, you, know, you okay. can consider that you could consider that done. You're you're in season 12. <laughs> you you mean your barber? <laughs> I'm kidding. Yeah, he's we're 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 very yeah, you, we're very well connected. Right. You're 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 a Sephardic barber. I love that guy. <laughs> I want you to marry Yamaka. By the way, what did you guys think about Jews for Jesus? That was un. I just Amazing. love that. Yeah. Oh, Amazing. So funny. Oh my god. Yeah. I. I. Oh, my. My issue with the Jews for Jesus. It's like now you have to like accept like two like things. It's like I like my my own stuff is like enough. Like I you know anytime I have to think about that I'm like oh, did this really happen? Probably not. <laughs> like I'm like basing my whole life around this, and it's like oh, and now it's like I need to have like a whole second like book that I have to, a like, newer testament. Yes. Yeah, a newer yeah, testament. Yeah, well, we we have one to, pile. Like, yeah, we have one to believe. Now you want to add a second one on? <laughs> yeah, like now I have something. Like, this whole other thing that's like oh my my life has to incorporate all of this stuff now. Like yeah, like it's exhausting. <laughs> of course, of course, we live by the 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 uh, the curb credo, right? Whatever happens, that we live by. Larry. Yeah. Oh, by the way. You know, I like the great thing about Curb is like it's sometimes not even the joke. It's an inflection, a look. Well, you know, when Larry was looking for the Jews for Jesus guy and the guy goes, do you have a minute, Larry? He goes, you know, I do have a minute for you. You know, because he wanted to rip into him. <laughs> I just thought that was just so funny. It was great. I watched the West Coast version in L.A. and then the East Coast version of HBO. So I watched it twice. And of course, I've seen it three times already. But uh, yeah, it's I got so yeah. much love, guys. So much love from like girls in, in elementary school so many people watch it it's unbelievable i've been an actor right, so- for over 30 i've never got the love i've gotten on anything i've done well sandler films i do right. so why are you wasting why are you why are you wasting your time on a stupid podcast with us like there's a whole world of, of ladies out there who are well let me put it you know this all way. all of a sudden very interested in you it's funny you said because i uh you, know, you talked about being a fat guy I worked at this place in in L.A. for 15 years, the Hollywood Tropicana female mud wrestling. Yes, my parents were proud. <laughs> and I was the MC, and my Jewish grandma came. Everybody, no nudity, just girls with bikinis wrestling in oil and mud. And uh, so, you know, the, I was the fat guy. And, you know, hot girls like the fat guy. Believe it or not. I, oh, by the way, I have a great line that I use on every hot girl. 
nice guys or bad boys. It works because they look at you, they go, I go, oh, bad boy. They go, yeah. Or they say nice guy right away. So, that, you know, it, it saves us a lot of time, right? Yeah. I mean, I, w- I, would say, I would say my wife. I would say that my wife is a is a hot girl who likes a fat guy. Except we, I wasn't as fat when we got married or when we were dating. So she just might be a hot girl who's disappointed now. <laughs> I love it. That's okay. But you, you know, you, you know, you're, uh, you're. It was your personality. She married you for your personality. Oh, oh, for sure. My personality is my. You know, <laughs> certainly much better than my appearance. I mean, let's. let's be honest, yeah. <laughs> you're a handsome guy. Come on. Just yeah, got a haircut, okay. you know. Okay. Yeah, I Come did on, just man. get a haircut. I got, a, I got a haircut. I got a lecture about why I'm not wearing the yarmulke. That's exactly what you expect when you go to the barber. Uh, I feel like you get, you get a haircut. Barbers advocating for you to wear a hat aren't too proud of their work product, right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's right. You got, you're hiding something under that yarmulke. Yeah, uh, you get a boob job. Hat. I don't think the guy says, "Now go put a big fur coat on." Like you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Show off my work, man. Yeah. I mean. See, I, I recognized your haircut right away. See, uh, it, <laughs> yeah, it's good, fresh. It's, it's, fresh. Work. it's funny. My uh, my one of my, one of my, like my favorite like uh, like little kid stories to tell is like my daughter when she was like three years old. Like she didn't understand like what, what how haircuts work. So like I came home one day and I had a haircut, and she's like, "Daddy, you got a haircut?" And I'm like, "Yeah, very yeah." And then like the next day I came home from work, she's like, "Daddy, you got another haircut?" And I'm like, "No, <laughs> that's not how haircuts work." <laughs> That's cute. Oh my goodness! You guys right, both. So, you guys both married yeah, have kids. Both uh, married. He has a lot of kids. He has like I think eleven boys. Is that the number? <laughs> I I don't. I'm not married. I don't have a girlfriend. I don't. I don't have any kids that I know about. Mm, I have a feeling uh, one day somebody's going to tap me on my shoulder, Daddy. I go no. <laughs> yeah, I'm very confident that I don't have any kids that I don't know about. Um, <laughs> to to my uh my my sexual history uh but i have two kids that i know about and i'm like 100 percent sure those are the only two children. good good i like that uh i just yeah. wanted to let you guys know i went to the university of arizona where it all started um and i was in the movie you guys i know you love this movie revenge of the nerds mm-hmm. but this is you're so young this is you know 80, in the 80s and uh, i got a part from a great uh i wrote the producer peter mcgregor scott I always mention him because he changed my life and he sadly was uh, killed in a uh, tragic uh, taxi accident in New York about three years ago, four years ago. Sweetest guy changed my life. I always mention him because he gave me the part. And I told this bad joke. uh, What is the dirtiest thing ever said on television? Ward, I think you're a little hard on the beaver last night. That was amazing. That's how I got my sad card. (laughs) And that's how I became an actor at the University of Arizona. Uh, and, you know, and I uh, came back to L.A. and I told my parents uh, I didn't want to take that corporate job. I wanted to be an actor. And I, uh, and, you know, I really I, I tell young people, old people, whoever, go for your dreams. Be happy. Do not do it for the money. Find something you love and do it. And that's what I've done. And uh, it's, it's paid off. Yeah, or, or, um, I get a pod- or, or I do a podcast with my buddy about Kirby and Enthusiasm. Yeah. Incidentally, Alex and I have both uh, decided that the thing that we love the most is uh, advising super rich people on how to, you know, shelter their assets and uh, buy businesses in the most tax efficient way possible. Oh, that's my passion. Oh, what, yes. oh, you guys have real jobs? I didn't know that. You guys have real jobs. Yeah, unfortunately, unfortunately. I mean, you know, um, you know, obviously, obviously, there's many millions of listeners of this podcast, but even that is not enough to pay all of our uh, very high price bills. Yeah. By the way, do you guys you want know, a, the cost of yeshiva tuition these days? Do you guys want a nacho? 
I'm, I'm having dinner. Do you guys want a nacho? Yeah, I don't I don't know if that works. I don't think that that's transferable <laughs> Here, over, over a one. Zoom. Okay. <laughs> I would love I would love that nacho. That looks delicious, but I don't know that that. Yeah, I don't know that, that works. Um, <laughs> I do okay, feel well, like we've we've been promised like scent transference technology for like many, many years now. Like the way oh, that we yeah. have video and audio. Like I feel like for many years I've been reading about ways that like scent could be transmitted, but it doesn't seem to have happened yet, let alone. It doesn't have- yeah, audio and audio and video seems easier. Yeah. Not that Where's I know anything fun? about technology. Yeah, I, I don't Where's know. Is that just because we take for granted that that's the case? If you lived 200 years ago, would you have had that assumption? I don't know. <laughs> I guess. I mean, we've had TV and radio for a very long time. We've literally never had yeah. the same technology that you're describing. Yeah. No, I, yeah, but it, but in the grand scheme of human history, eventually we will have it. And, it, you know, right. At, if, at I, if I point, live in the yeah, if I lived in the year 900, I guess I would assume they're all equally positive. Yeah, that's uh, I don't know. I'm just yeah. Thank all God right. we don't live in the year 900. That sounds terrible. <laughs> well, um, OK, we'd all be dead well before our current ages, I think so. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. So um, why don't why don't we just um, pull up one scene from the episode just to get like a little uh, a little flavor for Brad's presence in this episode. Um, and he'll uh, he'll talk us through, I guess, um, maybe like what we see, what we didn't see, what his thinking was. Um, and so this is now this is like the middle scene of uh, of Jonas the roofer. We had him initially come for his consult. Later, we're going to see him crash through the ceiling here. He's coming back for, you know, his uh, uh, his return visit after the initial consult. With so his, we have, deep, uh, with his deeply lab- committed assistant. Very good <laughs> yes. assistant. Yeah. yeah. Gino, right, so let's uh, let's go to the videotape. That's the roof and the audio. Hey, Larry. How are you? Good. I got something special to show you. I have got <laughs> a brand new palette of tiles to replace the crack ones on the roof. I'm, I'm sure they're fine. I, I, know, I don't need to see Oh, them. you're going to be very impressed. Come on. Right. Come on. There's no point in, in showing me tiles. I have no yeah, interest in tiles. Come on. Check this out. Yeah, I'm going to pause already just because I want to <laughs> throw in that, like, one of my, like, largest pet peeves in life is the, like, the person who's in your house to do work who insists on, like, explaining to you what they're doing and like why they're doing it that way it's talking to you it's like it's like no this is this is how this transaction works at the end of today you're going to give me a bill and i'm going to pay you whatever the number says because i have no basis to dispute it um in exchange for that you're going to handle this like i i don't need to be explained to why you're doing this i don't need to have knowledge about tiles just handle it take care of it and I'm going to give you $700. Like that's, that's the why I hired you, right? That's yeah. why I hired you. Yeah. It's the, it's yeah, the Seinfeld I, Conrad thing, of course. Yeah. If I knew it, if I knew about roofs and tiles, like you wouldn't be in the picture. I would have, yeah. I would have done it, but like, I don't, and I don't want to know. I want to just pay money. Now here's my question. And maybe I'm so ignorant of roofing. I don't even know, but like, I feel like the roof that I have on my house. Cause I remember like when we did like a little renovation, like you had to pick, like there were different options for what the roof was, but the Spanish style houses, like in California and LA that, that Larry has, isn't the tile all the same or does this show how ignorant I am? Cause there's actually many tiles. Yeah. Yeah. This is you're ignorant. Cause oh, all okay. these houses are houses, <laughs> and they're all lit. They're all different in this house. Oh my goodness. Yeah. The house they use unreal. I mean, inside and out, it's pretty spectacular. And yeah, they have the Spanish uh, tile roof roof and, um, yeah, that was wonderful. Of course, there's a million kinds of tile. Yeah, that was very dumb. Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I do love, though, I... my favorite part of how you're acting in the scene right off the bat is 
you have such a smile and a joy. Like you're so happy to be there. You're like, no, no you're going to come see it. It's almost, it reminds me of like what super, what, what, um, um, what super Dave used to do where he'd like, Oh, come on, Larry, you're going to love it. He's like, no, no, I don't want to go. No, you're going to come here. Come and he would just sort of like drag her to places that Larry had no interest in. And he like, you know, you're like uninterested in hearing Larry's protestation. He's like, no, no, I love it. So I know you're going to love it. And it's like, uh, that's why I'm already laughing just at the top of the scene. I know. I, I kind of channeled John Candy playing his trains and automobiles. He was my favorite. Yeah, I love John movie. Candy. And John Candy was like, you know, how do you hate this guy? He's so nice. He's so likable. And that's <laughs> right. how I kind of played it, you know. But this, uh, by the way, Gino, the uh, my assistant, Eric, in the in the scene was great. He was so cool. We kind of talked about the scene and he's just a great young actor. And we had such a good time. He was awesome. And he, he you know, he played with that, you know, that, that tattoo thing pretty well. You know, it was great. Was, was that on the page fun. or did that just come up? No, that, that came out of uh, no. Uh, Jeff walked out and he said, "All right, uh, um, uh, Eric's going to be a tattoo. He really doesn't want to do roofs. <laughs> he, his dream is to be a tattoo artist." And funny enough, my writing partner and I, my writing partner is amazing, Sean White. He made this unbelievable thing, this tattoo. We we created this colored tattoo, and I wanted to hand it to Larry like at the end and say, look, we're going to put this on your ass. How do you like this? And Jeff goes, oh, and he took the picture. So I didn't know what they did with it, but it was really funny. I have to send you that too. Unbelievable. Yeah. It was really cool. Yeah, but well, yeah. Larry doesn't want to end up like his mom it. and end, end, end up in the guy's cemetery. I'm moving into your houses. I'm going to be your roommate. I'm going to be your guest. I'm going to be your, uh, yeah. Is that okay? You talk to your wife. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah Absolutely. Gonna, I think it's fine. Yeah, yeah I think it's fine. <laughs> Why would she object? You're welcome yeah, on my roof anytime. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. By the way, I know a lot about roofs. Absolutely nothing. But uh, <laughs> no, I played. Uh, didn't I? I was pretty good as an actor. I knew like what I was doing, kind of, sort of. But yeah. uh, oh, by the way, yeah, I got to talk about my stuntman after this. Okay, I'm going to tell you about my stuntman, Eric Ade. Unbelievable. Oh my god, the all guy right. really all did right. all my work. Yeah. For, when oh, you see, for, that's for right. your third. That's for your third scene. You mean? Yeah, that ladder. Yeah was weighed a ton i could not lift it off the truck you know when you see <laughs> supposedly me taking off the truck that's eric yeah. oh my god i couldn't even lift it i mean i'm a wussy you look at me I'm like, I'm yeah middle it's a good dude. thing you are it's a good thing you weren't larry's driver <laughs> oh my god can you imagine us fighting on the lawn? <laughs> oh my god that was hilarious but yeah this right. was great sure let's uh let's continue with the scene yeah let's see okay. where this goes those bad boys. Oh, wow. fantastic. Gorgeous child. Only the best. I'm really glad I got to see him. I'll be up there for a couple of days if you need me. I'm going to put these in, and it'll be good as new. You're going up? Yeah, that's what I do. couple of days? You want it perfect, don't you? What do you do? Why don't you send this kid up there? Er- Eric's in training. Eric yeah. is my assistant. Send him up. He's not ready to <laughs> send go. Send him up. Yeah, I don't know. You supervise from down here. I'm going to be honest with you, I don't think he really wants to be a roofer. Mm-hmm. Tell him. I'm looking into tattooing, tattoo, tattoo artist. Why don't you give Larry a tattoo? Oh, I mean, I, I'd be down for that. That's not gonna happen. No? No? Uh, <laughs> he's a roofer. I'm the roofer's helper. He goes up, I stay down here. <laughs> he's so pissed. Yeah. Oh, it's very confident assistant you got there. Yeah, of course, man. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't really want to be there. He doesn't like <laughs> me, you know. I, I tell him what to do. He's like, I don't really want to be here, but... Uh, but no, Gina was great. It was so much fun. Uh, to, and you know, it's great, guys. I mean, not a lot of actors can do what we do. Just go. It's really just premise and go. And we see what we create. 
and we just created so much. It was great. I mean, I just love when I just love when JB Smooth is just ripping into me. Leon just ripping into me every which way but loose. It was so much. It was so. And by the way, this is a well-oiled machine. This crew, unbelievable. And and they don't spend a lot of time on scenes. Jeff knows what he wants. Larry knows what they got to get, and they move on. So it's really amazing. Twenty years, guys. Twenty years. This show's been going. You know. Yeah. Yeah. It's wild. We know. Yeah. Um, so a- oh, anything okay. else before before we jump into the postman? Anything yeah. else you want to share about about the the you know your time on the show in this episode? Just that you know it was so great. Everybody, you know, you know, it's like one big happy family. And you know, I, I met people that hopefully I'll be friends with for a long time. And it was just great from casting to you know I didn't have to meet Allison Jones because I everything's self taped now, which I'm going to send you. And uh, you know, makeup, hair. You know, transpo. Everybody was just so cool. I mean, when you're happy and you're working on a show like that, I mean, you just you just can't wait to get to work. So, I had the best time of my life. I'm telling you guys, it was great, and I'm getting so much love from people I never met before, like you two. But anyway, that's awesome. That's I'm gonna have a that's natural. awesome. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so we'll uh, we'll I guess we'll put it in the uh, episode notes of the video of Brad's uh, audio. And I, I guess maybe we'll, we'll see if we can also just like drop it in at the end of the episode. So when you hear, okay. um, when you hear get a life Jews, don't yeah. stop, keep continue. Cause that's going to be Brad's audition tape uh, or at least the audio of Brad's audition tape. So I wanted to just say one last thing. I want to thank oh. my friend. Oh, Dave Linden again, my buddy, my pal, he suggested as I had seen your show, but he goes, you got to get on. And he got you me your emails, and we did it, and here we are today. So, Dave, a big shout out awesome. to Dave Linden from Chicago, Dave Linden. living in in Las Vegas and LA. He's you know, uh, just a great guy and a very funny guy and a great voiceover. He, I want him to do your your voice. Can he do your voice? Uh, your your uh, the voice for your show, Dave? Sure. I don't think we got... can afford to pay him very much. No, he'll, put him put him talk to Dave. He'll do put him in touch with us. We'll. we'll Put him, okay. put him in touch with, with us. We'll see. We'll we'll see what we can do. Yeah, that's that sounds okay, great. He's a Jew. Um, he's a Jew. Yeah. He'll do it for free. Hanukkah gift. Hanukkah I mean, gift. I already knew he was a Jew. You told me his name was Dave Linden. I mean, he's either a Jew okay. or he's a Jew for Jesus. Those are the only. But it's options. really no. But it's really Dave Linden bomb. But don't yes. tell him. <laughs> oh, Dave Linden bomb. Okay, now I know he's a Jew. That, that that's okay. like how uh, Av went from Av Sinensky to Abe Sinensky at work to hide the Jew. Yeah, no, <laughs> didn't really my, my, actually my. My uh, my actually my real name was uh, Sinensky Berg. My my, yeah. my grandparents changed it at Ellis Island because they didn't want anyone to know that they were Jewish. <laughs> As Richard Lewis said, "Good change, good change." Good change. Oh um, man, we got to go one more year. I got to get you guys. I got a party with you guys in LA. Come on, man. All right, you got to you right. got to go tell the wives you're going to go see a sick friend if you know what I mean. Okay, in LA. <laughs> great. I'm I'm in. I'm in for all this. Yeah, all right, my, good. My wife won't miss me. All right, let's uh, let's jump into that postman off. Postman, postman, he screws the wife of a man in a wheelchair. Postman, postman, come here. Tell the neighborhood. What a shanda, Larry. Uh, Larry uh, David. uh, Larry, you you are a lousy Jew, but you're a lousy human being. He screws the wife of a man in a wheelchair. A shanda. Maybe you should have given me some candy. You're a lousy Jew. All right, we have a uh, we have a, uh, some some new emailers this week. Our our first email comes in from a fellow named George Paez. He says hello. Oh, Just sorry for say, spoiling I'm huge, this. <laughs> I'm a huge fan. Interesting. I played Julio in episode two, Angel Muffin. 
I love the backstory you guys gave Julio. Just hearing you mention my character was so euphoric. As for Julio, being inundated with so much work took a toll on his body. He's using the unemployment money to travel the world and focus on his mental health. Thank you guys for making me smile. Best, George Bias. Well, that's fantastic. You know, we're, wow. you know, I, we, we've really hit a milestone with season 11. We're having like people from the show right into us now. You know, <laughs> may, soon, I, soon I think like Larry David and Jeff Schaefer and JB Smoove are going to do like a, a podcast where they cover pretty, pretty, pretty good episodes. Like they're going to start oh, from God. episode one and they're going to like say like, oh, like what did Av say that made sense? Oh, I, I think that Alex said was nonsense. Like, I think this is where we're headed. Like we're really uh, hitting our stride here in season 11. I love it. Sounds great. Yeah. How yeah. So it? thanks, George. That, yeah. This yeah. is great. And, and it, right. it helps that Curb is also pumping out just incredible episodes. Oh, yeah. God. This season's so good. They're yeah. all great. Yeah. Everybody's saying that this season is probably some of the best ever. Yeah. I totally agree. How great was the opening with Albert Brooks, man? I yeah. don't want to be in a box when people talk about me. Oh, my God. <laughs> so funny. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay, our next our, our next email, another new emailer comes from a uh, lovely lady that we all know. Her name is Allie Lasher. She mm. says, first of all, catching up on I all of your podcasts. I know her. She was at my bar mitzvah. I'm kidding. You know her? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm joking. Okay. Like, I got you there. I got you. That would be crazy if you knew her. Um, all right, she says. First maybe of all, maybe these Gentiles are right about the protocols of the elders of Zion. We all seem to be yeah. The same <laughs> yeah. If everyone knows everybody, then I'm yeah. I guess I guess you're right. First of all, catching up on all of your podcasts this season has both increased my enjoyment of the show and made me much more critical. Is Alex the only person in the universe that would think of Louis Anderson first? When listing hosts of the feud, not counting relatives or close personal friends of Louis, and honestly, even then. And this is the guy they trusted to host We're Not Family Feud. My head is popping off my body. No, I am not going to apologize. Uh, Wait, who? uh, Brad, who is your uh, Family Feud host? Richard Dawson. Okay. All right. So you're going old school. All right. Listen, I'm a boy who grew up in the 90s. Louis Anderson is my Family Feud host. Pierce Brosnan is my James Bond. And I'm not going to apologize for that. Oh, okay. All right. I'm I'm Roger Moore. Yeah, I mean, I'm uh, yeah, I'm older than you. Yeah, yeah. I got you. Yeah, I love Richard Dawson because he used to make out with everybody. That's what I love. <laughs> I wanted to make out. Steve Harvey has made, taken the show to a very uh, new sexual peak. I think also. I know. Oh, he's. I, I love Steve Harvey. He's great. Yeah. 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 Is that your? You guys love that show? Uh, I mean, I catch it from time to time. No, why? Yeah, why? Yeah, why did we end up? I don't remember why we talked about Family Feud. No, I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, Ray Ray Combs is my host for what it's worth. That's he was. Oh, Ray Combs was so great. He was a great warm up. I warmed up audiences too. He was one of the best audience warm up guys ever. May he rest. Peace. Yeah, great guy. Yeah. Uh, okay. Her question for this week's episode is: Why did they yada yada the rest of the casting? Does it feel like there was an episode missing between last week and this week's spotlights? I agree. I thought it was a little weird that they like they're coming back. And they're like, all right, the whole show is cast. Like I thought we were going to see more of the casting process. Yeah. Interesting. Good question. <laughs> like we don't even know who's who's wait. So who's playing who's, young Larry? So we know. Yeah. Who, yeah. Who's playing young Larry? We don't even yeah. know that. That's crazy. Oh my god. Like, we, we're, we're being told the whole show is cast. We don't even know who Larry is. Okay. Yeah. Seems like a um, I guess fair. we'll find. I think we'll. Find, I think we'll find that, that girl, out next week. That girl plays uh, his Maria daughter. Sophia. Yeah. Oh, Maria oh, Sophia. She's, she's amazing. Yeah, she, she's going to be a star. Oh my god! When she did the yeah. robot, and then she did the, my favorite line of the season's got to be "Oy vey, motherfucker!" Right? Am, am I allowed to swear <laughs> on the show? Oh my god. 
Oh my god, was that hilarious? Yeah, there's so many. Yeah, great we gotta people. get. We gotta get her on the podcast. Oh yeah, yeah, she's got to come on the podcast. On, Maria on, Sophia, on, if you're listening. Sorry. Yeah, Maria Sophia. Uh oh, your oh, baby he has uh. How many kids do you have? He has four boys. He has four boys. Four boys? Wow. (laughs) Yeah. You know what happens if you have four boys? You die in a nursing home. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's funny. Oh, my God. What are the ages? I think the oldest is like nine. And like the youngest is like two. It's a lot of boys in a a short period of time. Yeah. So, uh, Alan. He says the highlight of the episode for me was Larry saying he's a nice person, pretending to be rude to people. So don't like so the people don't like him. Those are goals. Uh, her come with guy is Jonas of Champion Roofers. Wow. He eagerly heads up on the roof for 20 minutes just to give a quote while everybody takes gabs at him. Her fucking asshole is Jeff Green. Lowest battery percentage gets the charger. It's not first come first serve. Honorable mention to the car service operator when Larry calls to request a male driver. We're all dumber for having watched that exchange. And she says, love the pod. Uh, we love the pod, too. Oh, that's great. Next that's- up, we have we have another new emailer. We have Kenny Eisman. Kenny actually just joined the uh, the pretty, pretty, pretty good WhatsApp group, which everybody is welcome to join unless you're either a rapist or a murderer, in which case, please don't join. <laughs> but if you're if you're not a rapist or a murderer, feel free to contact Alex or I on Twitter and we'll add you to the group. Says, Hi, guys. Another solid episode of Curb. I think Alex brought this up last week, but I w- was said in a negative way. But this to me was basically an episode of Curb that could be every could, that could be from any season in a good way. There yeah. was a bunch of good jokes, some good one liners, and really, as a fan, exactly what I want to come to every Sunday night when the Curb when Curb is on. The bit with the Charger was on point. I thought the ending could have gone either way. That Larry needed the, the chiropractor but couldn't get in now because everyone was going. But the way they did it was funnier. As I'm sure you mentioned already, the reminder bit was a, l- a little bit similar to Larry David finding David Schwimmer's watch, but then losing it. Mm. Um, no, that's interesting. We didn't. Yeah, good that. call. Uh, good call. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was glad that Jews for Jesus were made fun of because they're definitely annoying and needed to be called out. I hope Dr. Jacobson becomes one and becomes his book of Mormon character. Seth Rogen's character didn't add anything, so I'm hoping he comes back again. Oh, I disagree. I, I made him the come with guy. I love yeah. uh, I love Seth Rogen this episode. Um, and there's no way he's coming back. Like he's off the show. And yeah. yeah, there's no <laughs> way he's doing another episode um, at this point. Um, Susie was very much missed. Mm. He says the fucking asshole of the week is Jeff for not giving Larry the charger above 20% and someone else is under 10. I think you have to share. Yeah, he's not only under 10. He's at two. Two is like you're basically dead. Yeah, yeah Jeff was a, well, like at 23, 23%. Like you're fine. Like 23%. You could survive for like an hour or two. Yeah, oh, for sure. Like you two. can't like watch a streaming show, perhaps. But if you just need your phone as a phone, you can last right. all day. Yeah, if you just like leave it in your pocket and respond to emails and texts, like you can last a long time on twenty three percent, two percent, like you're gonna die any second. Yeah. Um, coming in second to me was the limo company. They absolutely need to have better trained drivers to carry bags. Third place would be Steinberg for trying to proselytize on sets. The come with guy is Larry for telling Doctor Jacobson about his underwear. I would rank this pretty, pretty, pretty good, right in the middle of the pack. Three pretties for Kenny. Josh Gad's a great guy. He he's really a great guy. And Seth Rogen too. I met him. I uh, did Funny People. He was really nice to me. You were um, Funny People. Yeah, I, I was an audience. Yeah, I was in like four Sandler films. Adam Sandler. You got to oh, wow. get him. 
He's great. What a nice guy he is. He is such a good guy. All right. Yeah. Sounds good. All Hook right. it up. Sure. He, he, he has a very high approval rate. It seems like everybody. Adam Sandler has an open invitation to be on the podcast. We have we have guests lined up for the next four episodes. All of them will be bumped if Adam yeah. Sandler. <laughs> when you come to LA, we um, if we bump here. next week's guest, we're going to be in more trouble. I think I would not bump her for Adam Sandler. <laughs> yeah, I, um, yeah, I guess so. Um, let's see. It's a, let, it's a surprise. Let, yeah, yeah. Let, let, oh, let Adam okay. Sandler write in and say that he's interested, and then and we'll yeah. and then we'll discuss it. Let the Sandman yeah. get in line, right? Let yeah. him get in line. Honestly, I think she, I think she would be honored to be both for Adam Sandler. Yeah, no, she okay. did, she she did tell us we can bump her for somebody better. She did say that, but I yeah. thought that was oh, passive yeah. aggressive. That's good. Oh, that's good. I hope she doesn't hear this because yeah. then she's going to cancel on us. <laughs> well, 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 she does listen to the podcast in yeah. theory, so um, <laughs> she may. Um, okay, next up, our usual leadoff man, MJC, who says, you're every man checking in. Good stretch of curb continues. Seth was a great scene partner for LD and used correctly. The twist of Josh Gad becoming an apostatizer was a fantastic wing to that role that made him a household name. That's true. He, um, yeah, from uh, from Book of Mormon. So he, um, you know, returning his old roots. Uh, he says the come with guy is Josh Gad. The fucking asshole is Larry. And he gives the episode three and a half. Um, so MJC on board with me at the three and a half level. Um, Brad, we actually never asked you. What's your what's your rating for this episode? I assume you give it a five because you're in the episode. Ten. I give it a ten. 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 Yeah. Okay, well, yeah. okay. We'll put that I, in the spreadsheet. It was so. I mean, everyone this season has been great. Num- I mean, six out of six. I'm, I'm so excited to, hear, to see the next five. You know, and yeah. Uh, yeah, I would say five. Yeah, def five plus. Yeah, no question about it. I mean, All there's right. so many. Uh, you know, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Next we go to Jim Crumley, who says man fights tidy woman was another strong episode. The title plot was the strongest part with the chiropractor and roof of it's not as fun. I did enjoy Josh Gad and Seth Rogen being in the same episode. They should have completed the trifecta, including Jonah Hill as well. Thought that might be too much of a similar thing. He gives the episode three and a half per D's out of five. Oh. He says the come with guy is Seth Rogen. Uh, he agrees with me. Seth plays a great stand-in for the audience in this discussion with Larry about secret preferences. Seth tries to get Larry to tone down the cringe and fails miserably. Somehow, Seth seemed more relatable than usual while being dressed as a Viking. He says the fucking asshole is Jason Steinberg for proselytizing as work. Yeesh. Congrats on another good get with Roger Nygaard. Yes, we have two good gets this week with both Roger Nygaard and with Brad Jonas, the roofer. I really enjoyed his documentary Trekkies. My questions below are pretty basic. So free. Oh, I didn't even read these questions. Sorry. Sorry, Jim. Didn't read these (laughs) questions for Roger. We'll save him for next time. Roger. um, Yeah, that's true. He did say he would come back. So we'll save him. Uh, Okay. Is my career over? Is my career over being on this show? It might be. A, a curb run, pretty, pretty, pretty good. <laughs> yeah, your, your career, your career run, pretty, pretty, pretty good. Might just could be getting started. Yeah. <laughs> I love it, man. Wait till right. we get you on the set. Uh, I'm gonna do big we go things to Zach Brooks. Um, Zach Brooks. I was just, uh, I was on the uh, latest episode of the Movie Ladder this week. Uh, we're talking about Ferris Bueller's Day Off. So uh, check that out. Zach Brooks, Brother Prince Patrick, 100th episode of the movie ladder this week. So very exciting. Um, he says FAT positive is an outstanding line from Leon. It cracks me up. I'm always in the feedback section praising salty shelf stable fish, but you got to get anchovies on a Caesar salad. They elevate a mediocre salad. 
why would the limo company keep sending the same problematic driver? Just send someone else. And why would uh, no, it's on Larry for started? calling the same company over and over again? <laughs> yeah, but like if this guy has like just complained about this driver, even if he's like if it's a rational, let's say it's like the customer service is like, oh, he's just like a crazy random sexist, whatever. Just like send him a man next time. Just like like, I, but you like could also business. you could be opening yourself up to a lawsuit, right? If I'm an employee and I can say I can I sue guess. them and say, you know, they wouldn't they they wouldn't send me to as many customers and I lost income because of my gender. And because, you know, I, if, if somebody called in and said, I don't want a Jew driver, or a black driver, you're going to say, <laughs> OK, fine, we'll just send him a Christian or a white person. I think I guess. But if I'm a businessman and somebody was just like, yeah. I had an issue with this driver, like just send yeah, a different yeah. driver next time. Like, yeah, but no, don't but send the same driver. Larry over ended over the again. call by saying this conversation never happened. Right. So she didn't log. <laughs> right. That's true. Yeah. So it wasn't recorded. The, the company true. has no way to know. <laughs> yeah. That almost makes him the uh, the fucking asshole of the week for only having one charger. Eric and trading is literally a come with guy. Fucking asshole of the week is Jeff for hogging the charger. He's at 23%. He's fine. Actually, yeah. scratch that. The roofer is the fucking asshole because he stole Larry's charger. Oh, <laughs> twist. Brad, you're the fucking asshole now. <laughs> I'm the fucking asshole. I am. I really am. Such oh, a he great stole asshole. Leon's. It's Leon's charger, right? I, right. It's Leon's charger, but I, I took it to. Yeah, it's Leon's charger. Uh, yeah. But, you took that. We In in our reality, you took the Hagen Dawes. Um, yeah. Yeah, three and a half for everything but the limo driver subplot. And uh, finally, the, we end off with all. Yeah. Oh, got to talk about my stuntman. Oh, yeah. He was on Eric. Yeah. Eric, uh, uh, he was so good. He took care of me. He protected me. He did the great stunt. By the way, I'm going to send you that too. I'm going to send you the, uh, that, the, uh, the stunt. He filmed it. And this, they built this like canopy. Uh, contraption above the bed and he fell like from bottom of the roof uh just the best guy one of the great stuntmen and uh he looked made me look great so i just want to do a shout out to eric yeah uh, well, he did uh, great, so job, much, eric. Eric. great yeah. job eric eric a day yeah all right eric and we we end off the postman as always with mr owen allen who says, despite some excellent physical comedy moments, and as much as I would like you all to be Jews for Jesus, I just didn't find this episode overall to be particularly funny or entertaining. Wow. And like my postbag predecessor, Zach, from two weeks ago, having a bad day with this in succession, though the latter may grow on me, unlike the chiropractors crumbling under there. Maybe I need to stop listening after the postman, as all the best verbal exchanges were covered last week. But maybe I am becoming more of a pretty, pretty, pretty good fan than a curve fan. A potentially underrated highlight was how freely and jauntily Jeff was moving, leaving the airport as Larry struggled with his bags. With his bags, he gives the episode two pretties out of five. He says the come with gal is the limo driver doing everything her job requires of her, <laughs> and the fucking asshole of the week. Sorry, Brad, to report, it's the roofer, <laughs> one of those people who just forces into people into submission, offering to do more jobs for them and then stealing a precious socket and phone charger. He signs off Olin, a Catholic for Judas. <laughs> I love it. I got two fucking assholes. All right. I was a fucking asshole. In the you got two, uh, two fucking assholes and a come with guy. So, you know, yeah. you're uh, you're uh, just it. like getting all the all the blocking. I love it. I'm going to get my parents in, in here. They, they got to hear this because, you know, <laughs> they keep calling me a fucking asshole every day. So. <laughs> I, love I have it. news for you. It's official. I don't <laughs> know how official these rankings are. Yeah, I did fall through someone's, not their roof once, but their ceiling. And uh... well, I don't know how official any of these rankings really are. <laughs>
All right, now it's time for our cumulative audience score. And pretty funny, well done there by Av, uh, without even knowing it, because he doesn't know I'm putting it in. He just accidentally uh, used the drop that I am starting uh, to start this segment. Our listeners, uh, unusually lower than the hosts for this episode, uh, including Brad's five, the listeners are at 3.07 uh, average rank, which is means the audience ranks this just as the 65th best episode. So audience quite low on this episode but uh when we averaged 3.07 with a three and a half from av a four and a half from me a five from roger score we get an overall score of 4.02 pretty 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 good which overall makes it the 19th ranked episode of the 88 that we've seen so far which is almost exactly where i have it i have it at 14 on my personal list and the cumulative list of all of us of the podcast is 19th. So audience doesn't love it, but uh, the folks that really count, we loved it this week. Don't you hate to be continued on TV? I mean, the whole reason you watch a TV show is because it ends. If I wanted a long, boring story with no point to it, I have my life. All right, next week, and I'm starting to get sad. We only have four episodes left of the season, but I'm excited because they're getting better and better. We have Irma Kostrowski. Who is Irma Kostrowski? Let's watch next week's promo and see if we can find out. Yeah, well, I, I can tell you Irma Kostrowski is going to be a, uh, a a character played by Tracy Ullman, who is going to show up as oh. the, the uh, lead oh, goodness, main guest star great. next week. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, let's uh, let's let's check out the uh, the teaser for next week's episode. If there's anything I can tell you about myself, <laughs> feel free to ask. I'm an open book. All right, OK. An open bad book that after 10 pages you'll put down. <laughs> Frankenstein. And then you had the bride of Frankenstein. I don't know if they had any children. How could Frankenstein have a kid? No, Dr. Frankenstein made love to the bride of Frankenstein. He had a kid, I guess. No, that's not what happened. How you make a woman like that and not tap it? I don't know about that. That's a good question. Right there. Right there. You You never call me. You hate people. I hate individually. I love mankind. (laughs) I like the editing there. So... The, the 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 comment is made by Richard when they're sitting at the event, but then Larry's explanation is later on when he's like in the green room talking to I don't know it looks like the candidate or something. So a lot of yeah. people are gonna be mad at Larry. Uh, it looks like a bit of reversal of uh, Neil Armstrong there with the uh, man versus mankind uh, contrast. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I guess um, the lead there is uh, Richard Lewis. Uh, looks like he's gonna be in next week's episode, season eleven, episode seven. That's right. And exciting. this is the episode he had sort of campaigned to get on it because he wasn't gonna be on the season, and he's and he uh, tweeted sort of a yeah, uh, a I lament. think so. Yeah. Yeah, so he's uh, it, it seems like he's uh, he's pretty sick. So like he wasn't yeah. sure he was going to be on the season, but then I guess he was able to uh, build up his strength just enough to get on one episode. So we're obviously very excited to have uh, Richard Lewis back in our lives. So we look forward to seeing him next week. Mm-hmm. And it looks like we're following the lead of the Curb lead in show succession as we're getting involved in the world of elected politics. <laughs> That's right. Hopefully the uh, the politician that they've chosen is not a, a fascist, uh, you know, yes. admitted fascist. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully he does not quote H. Yeah, what do you guys watch beside Curb Succession? What else do you like? I'm about to watch, I think, later tonight, actually. I have not yet seen How To with John Wilson. Oh, okay. Oh, is, that, is that already out on, on HBO? Yeah, last, um, last Friday. The whole, ser- the whole season is out or it's one a week? I think I it, dropped, I think it just dropped were. the first episode. Okay, I'm going to check that out. Yeah, that, uh, that, that show was uh, very weird, but mostly very good. So hmm. I'm excited to see more of that. Yeah. Have you, have you seen that one, Brad? Uh, no. All right. Well, 
if you're interested in, in watching uh, why people upholster their furniture, and I highly encourage oh. that you do because it goes to different places. I watch like I watch like Vanderpump Rules. Uh, uh-huh. You know, um, oh, I, I should leave my wife on because you know million dollar listing. Oh wow! Because I know Damn. I went to school with Kim and Kyle Richards, so I I, wow. I like to watch. Yeah, I like to watch that. I, I watch you know interesting porn. I watch uh, you know I'm I'm you know I'm I'm starting a um, I'm starting a a fund for Ron Jeremy you know Ron, free Ron Jeremy you know Ron's in a little bit of trouble um, but uh, uh, no I just I watch all sorts of I, of course Curve I, I just I love comedy I love making people laugh that's the, the and I'll tell you I, I just got to keep thanking Jeff and uh, Jeff Schaefer and Larry David for having me man it, it's it was. Such a ride. I'm telling you, they're coming back for one more because this season's so amazing. You guys are coming to LA. Have you ever been to LA? Yeah, you guys have been. I've been to LA. Yeah, I've not I've, been to, I've been to LA a bunch of times. I will definitely do yeah. that. <laughs> oh, I got an idea. Let's include the family. So let's, you guys come. We'll get you to the curb. We'll bring the family. Go to Disneyland, right? Yeah, win win. Sounds, sounds great. Again. Although me coming without my family also win in a different way. Any any of these permutations sound excellent. Yeah. (laughs) Then we'll go see that sick friend I told you about, you know? (laughs) Sounds sounds great. I'm in for that too. I'm in for all of it. Just between us girls, man, Alex needs a lap dance. Look at him. Got four boys, man. He needs a lap dance. Long, long lap dance. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, That'll be helpful. Yeah, you uh, you you won my wife over with your reality shows, but you may have lost her on that one. But maybe not. I don't know. I'll ask her. Depends what kind of mood. I love your wife because she got you off the streets of love. That's all I know. I love your wife. (laughs) Both your wives, man. Come on, you guys found these wonderful women and had these great kids. Come on, they're great ladies. Great wives. We have great wives. We have great kids. Um, Yeah, Brad. Brad. (laughs) Let's say good. Um, To the wife or to the kids? (laughs) Either way or both. Uh, Why why get in further trouble here? The wife and some of the kids. (laughs) Do do the wives watch the podcast? Uh, Obviously not. Of course not. Yes. My wife doesn't want to hear my voice like when I'm with her. She's not going to voluntarily listen to (laughs) She doesn't want to hear. Yeah. There was was one episode I told her recording of me talking. There was one. I can't even remember who it was, but there was one episode once where I was like, "Oh, we're having like so and so this week." She's like, "Oh, I might actually listen to that." But then, of course, yeah, yeah. All right. So next Um, week, yeah, we will meet another wonderful woman, Irma Kostrowski, or maybe she's a terrible woman. I have no idea. We'll find out next week. Yeah, (laughs) she's probably terrible. I mean, she's uncurable. Let's be honest. Um, Brad, this has been so fun. Thank you so so much much for uh, for joining us. This was a blast. Guys, if you need me, you let me know. I'll come on the show. We'll talk about whatever. And by the way, we got to get Alex a new lamp. Unbelievable lighting over there. Yeah. What's going on? Four he's boys. No we can't. We can't. We can't see that Jewish punim of his. Yeah. I know uh, he's so got. Yeah. Such a, he's a handsome guy. What's going on with that punim? I mean, let's get some light on him. Come on. Yeah. But so whose we're, bed so, is that? Whose bed is that behind you, by the way? Who is that? You, is that, is that oh, the guest room you're in? Yeah, no, oh, this yeah. is my guest room yeah. slash office. Yeah. So we're oh, the bed oh, right now. It looks like at the moment. Yeah. Oh uh, God, when I true. when I'm like on like work calls, I like blur the background so they can't see the bed. But you know. So I what you're saying? That's my that's room. Okay that's me. my bed, right? That's my bed, right? You're you're welcome whenever you'd like. You have my email. Oh. Let me know when you're in town. You're such a mentor. Love you. Oh goodness, I love you guys. So this we'll be back next week. If it's anything like this week, next week's episode is gonna be.
Get a life, Jews. Larry, it's me, Brad Grunberg. Jonas the Roofer Guy. Let's do this, baby. Hello, Mr. Larry David. How you doing? I'm Jonas from uh, Roofers R Us. Here, give me an elbow there, buddy. <laughs> okay, great. Uh, you have a helper with you? Yeah, I do, yeah. Eric, get me the big ladder. Yeah, Pronto, yeah. chop, chop. You can just go up around on the, other, on the back there. Yeah, he can put the ladder up for me, but I'm going up. You're going up? Of course. But, uh, I'm Jonas. Well, it's an old roof. I, I, old no, roof. Old roof, newer, doesn't matter. I'm the best well, in the business, Larry. Right? We don't want anybody falling through the falling. roof. Falling? <laughs> <laughs> I hear that, Eric? Falling through the... Me? Uh, Come on. I've got expensive items in the, in the house. Uh, Larry. Can I call you Larry? I'm like a monkey up there, all right? Let's get cracking, okay? <sighs> I had a big breakfast. Can I, can I use your bathroom? No. Ooh, I'm about no. to get...